And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Flashback Friday. I am your host, David K. Montoya. And Zoe Montoya. That's right. She loves doing Flashback Fridays. So <laughs> I decided that we could come in here and give Mike a week off. Um, I don't. We'll find out if he wants to keep going or if uh, his co-host to um, the World of Myth Bits, Stephanie Barty, said that she's interested too. So we might have a female doing Flashback Fridays for the next month or so. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. There's so many things going on right now. So, Zoe, how are you, sweetie? Good. You enjoy doing Flashback Fridays? Yeah. What are you? What's your favorite part about Flashback Fridays? What do you like doing it the most? Um, talking about the... Um... The podcasts? Yeah. Do you have a favorite podcast that you like to listen to? Mama. Hey, Mom. Your mama? Um, her mom, Lacey Montoya, um, she did a podcast with S. Sadie Burbank called What We Think. No, that's not right. It's Don't Get Us Started. And uh, whenever Zoe gets sad and misses her mama because her mama passed away, um, she listens to Mama's podcast, and that makes her happy because she gets to hear Mama's voice. Yeah. Okay, um, are you ready to pick a show? Yeah. Okay. Well, because we did Seeing Red episode 86 last time, which mm -hmm. was part one of Canadian Deliverance, this week we are going to do... Seeing Red episode 87, Canadian Deliverance, part two. All right, let's pull this up and see what it is. I mean, I, I honestly, I know what it is, what it is for, um, just because I remember doing it. <laughs> okay, so it says, Scene Red, Episode 87, Canadian Deliverance Part 2, originally released August 27th, 2014, and it says, Welcome to the Midweek Special. We meet with Aaron and Dave, yours truly, as they pick up where they left off in last episode as they continue plotting their gruesome hammer horror flick called Canadian Deliverance. Okay, kids, go ahead and sit back. Put your feet up. It's going to get brutal. As we find out the more origins of what would become the Mongers movie. Enjoy. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. And I'm Aaron Illich. Welcome to our midweek special. What we decided is because we had gold last time. Last episode was fucking, oh my God, it was great. Canadian Deliverance. And we called it part one because we didn't finish talking. We didn't finish telling the story. And Rebecca's out right now. She has some stuff to do. And if we can't finish the entire story this episode, we can bring her back next week and finish the episode, you know, next Monday. 
So what we decided to do is we need to, we need to keep talking. We need to keep developing because I feel I can feel this. And I, I haven't felt something like this in a long time. This is something that's screaming to me, you know, to be told. Like uh, Incubus? Yes. <laughs> but I feel that there's there's multiple inputs. There was input coming from you, from me, from Rebecca, and it felt like a strong story. Yeah. I felt it, it was it was really good. Like all the input as a whole is really good because uh just everything I don't, I just, it inspiration right. from everything that we feels right. Yeah, it just, it melds perfectly. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue on talking about the, the movie Canadian Deliverance. And I'm going to have Rebecca listen to this episode, you know, so she can be caught up with what our ideas and how we're going to, you know, develop it. And then if, like I said, if we don't finish the ending this episode, Next week we'll do a part three, and we'll all sit down and we'll just we'll work and finish it out. Yeah. So this is just a little treat for you kids because I know a couple weeks ago we lost an episode because we were really busy. So this kind of kills two birds with one stone. Yeah. Uh, we keep with the ideas plus we get caught up and you know we give you that episode that we missed. So if you missed last episode, push stop now. Go back and listen to episode 86. It's Canadian Deliverance Part 1. And how it came about, kids, is, is believe it or not, we just started talking about, well, we started the episode talking about how this dude married his male dog. And I don't know how we made that transition <laughs> into talking about Canadian Deliverance. But then uh, we started talking about Canadian. Oh, you know what it was? I think it was because you you did that reenactment. You yeah. Know, you talked about, you know, and you did the voice and the the hillbilly showing up and shooting the dog and shooting the the guy and and that kind of got my imagination started and I wanted to hear you kind of throw a line out yeah. you know from you know what would be Canadian Deliverance and it just took off from there and my mind is really spinning right now so push push stop listen to part one come back listen to part two so push stop now and if not here we go with <coughs> Canadian Deliverance part two. Now, last episode, kids, we talked about, we left off where the daughter woke up, and it's a dark room. It's a, it's a very girly room, and because it's Canadian backwoods, there's no electricity out there, so it's neither candlelit or there's just, it, well, it has to be candlelit, you know, just to make things work to be yeah. able to see. And so the room is very dark, but you can tell it's very decorated, you know, almost like a, a five- or an eight-year-old girl's room kind of thing. And the daughter wakes up and she sees these dolls and they're kind of weird looking because they're not shaped right. So as she gets closer, she's looking at this doll, the closest one to her. And as she's getting closer, the moonlight streams through the blinds and it hits the dolls. And you can see it's like all fucking deformed and, and not mutilated, but just really fucking weird looking. Someone's got three arms. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so... She goes and she freaks out and she whacks the doll, and the doll falls off the or flies off the bed, hits the ground, and and the the wax shatters. And what we find underneath is the exact replica of what was on top of the wax, and it's a human baby that's all deformed. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So now she's freaking out. So 
she's hysterical. So she's screaming. So, you know, some family members are on their own, on their way, right? Yeah. So then we jump back to the brother. Now, what happened with the brother? Do you remember? Uh, the dad got oh, he, loose. He, and he came in the, uh, the basement. Yeah, that's the dad. I remember. And then he turned around and got whacked in the face yeah. with the baseball bat. Um, the brother got poisoned, not poisoned, but he got, um, drugged. Yeah. Remember? Because they were like, you know, you want a beer, boy? Or was that the son? That was the son, That right? was the son, yeah. Yeah. Um, the son, yeah. And because the father, the, the hillbilly father, he wanted to see the purity of the boy because if the boy was good, he was just going to let him go. Say, you know, I, I don't know where your family is. You know, good luck. God bless you. Yeah. But because he took the beer, that made him, uh, a Sinner. A sinner, yes. So, he gave him a beer, and unbeknownst to the the hillbilly dad, this was the boy's first beer, and it was just an opportunity to present himself. He was a teenage boy. I mean, what teenage boy is not gonna pass up a beer? You know? Yeah. You're doing you're doing wrong. You yeah. Know? So <laughs> he got to He's gonna take it. So the boy is passed out somewhere. The mother, she was violated by the hillbilly sister. Yes. Ate her out. Right, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, cutter. Well, originally we were going to go with um, taking a corkscrew and literally like pulling the baby, the fetus, out of her stomach because the mom's pregnant. Yeah, but we decided that <clears throat> we're going to wait on maybe. No, 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 no. We're not going to wait. We're just going to go ahead. So th- she pretty much eats her out, and then telling her that she's a whore yeah because they they're not married even though they have two kids going on three kids they're the husband and wife aren't married well they're not well they're not husband and wife yeah but they're not married so in the eyes of god they're sinners too so she takes the knife and she's like cutting the the baby you know well she's cutting the the stomach because i'm gonna say the the mom (laughs) what six months yeah that's exactly what i was thinking Six six months so, <clears throat> because the baby couldn't couldn't survive. I mean, there's a possibility even at six months of development, the baby might not survive. But there's that yeah. possibility that the lungs might be formed at six months. So, she she's cutting around and she cuts the baby out and she pulls the baby out and the baby's screaming and crying. It looks like a healthy little baby. And... <clears throat> She's holding the baby with one arm, and, and of course the umbilical cord is just like, uh, you know, dangling between her and and the mom. And the hillbilly sister just takes the knife and, you know, cuts the cuts it off real know, fast, yeah. And just walks away, and and the mom's like screaming, and she's like, my baby, my baby, you know, and she yeah. blood's just gushing out everywhere. <clears throat> and so, does she bleed to death? No, nah, I would. Uh... What should happen should be like, uh, while she's taking the baby away, the dad comes and, you know. The hillbilly dad? Yeah. Okay. The hillbilly dad comes, you know, he's, he's got that old mentality. You know, he smacks, he back, he doesn't smack her, he backhands the mom that's freaking out about her baby, right? <clears throat> and then he gets, this is backwoods, he, uh, he gets a um, hot, like a uh, fire pit skewer, uh-huh. and like cauterizes the wound, 
or something like that. So I I think like he should cauterize the wound and then use her as like a vessel to produce more children. Well, no, that's the sister. the The American sister, she's the one who is gonna be you know the one to pop out the kids, okay, the healthy kids. Okay, he sees her as damaged goods, so. You know, because he's she's had sex with other men. He he doesn't want anything to do with her. Oh, ooh, okay. okay. Here we go. Here okay. We go. <laughs> so, <clears throat> she, the Hibbley sisters taking the baby away. The baby seems fine. Dad walks in. He sits down. He's like, you know, sits down and there's a chair in front of the mom and the mom's bleeding. He's like, you know, he, he walks in and this is gonna be his thing. It's like Jesus loves the little children, you know. And he sits down and he's like, you know, we all have our own crosses to bear. You know, our Lord had to have his cross bared. And I think it's time for you to bear your cross, little girl. So he goes and he grabs her, right? Grabs her by the hair of the head. <laughs> Knocks her out, right? Then we cut to another scene and she's laying on her back and we can't see what she's doing. <clears throat> but her hands are tied to uh-huh. like some like two by fours or something, right? And she's trying to struggle and she realizes that she's tied down to something. And then the camera pulls out and it's literally like a cross, like a wooden cross. Yeah. Right? And he's like, you know, <clears throat> he's over in the corner because they're still in the room. It's all dark. So he's in the corner with a little bit of candlelight and you can't see what he's doing. But he's got his back turned towards the camera and towards the mom, the American mom. And he goes, Jesus loves little children. That shit, I don't know. To me, that's creepy. Yeah. And he turns around and he's got like a a, um, a nail gun. Oh, and then... Yeah. And he's like, well, little girl, you ready to bear your cross? You better, you ready to be cleansed of all your nasty little sins. The gates of heaven are waiting for you. I'm gonna save your soul because you're just too damn pretty to go to hell. Instead of like a, a thorn rosary, it's like a barbed wire rosary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so she's like, you know, and of course yeah. she's got a gag on. And he grabs her hand and holds her hand down. And he's like pushing on a pressure point. You know that pressure point that makes mm-hmm. all five fingers open? And he's like holding her hand down there. And then you see him put the gun over the hand. And yep. And then as he lifts the gun away, you see the nail in her palm. And she's like. Yeah. You know. And then he does it with the same thing. <clears throat> and he goes and he literally has to set on her legs to stick the, you know, one foot on top of the other. And then. You know, and nails her into the. <clears throat> so then he goes, and he walks over, and you realize it's kind of like a back garage kind of thing. So because he walks over the wall and he lifts it up, and it's like the you know a, like a garage door opens up. Yeah. And there's a little like tether on the top of the cross, mm-hmm. and he grabs the cross or grabs the tether on the cross, and he just drags her out. You know, she's like <laughs> screaming in pain. Yeah. You know, and he's he's. Tugging along the cross, and he's like, Jesus loves little children. <clears throat> or maybe, um, he's got the, no, that's too, that's too upbeat. You know, he's got the whole world. Yeah, that's too upbeat. 
Jesus, Jesus loves little children. That's more slower paced and darker. So anyway, <clears throat> he drags her out. Whistling it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's ominous. Oh, fuck, that's ominous. Yeah. <laughs> so he drags her out, and we cut away. Okay, so now we cut back to... Let's see, where do we want to go from there? We go to the father. The father is waking up. He, his face is just like all bloody. His nose is just like flat as shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like no bone left after getting hit with, a, you know, yeah. in the middle of that. <laughs> he's waking up and he's like, oh, you know. Jaws broken, slightly unhinged. He's like, oh. <clears throat> and then, um, okay, so what happens then? Obviously, he has to be tied down to a chair. So he's, say he's in the kitchen. That's what I'm seeing. He's in the kitchen. He's tied down. He's just like fucking mutilated. His face is mutilated. His back is just, you know, pouring blood. Oh, and that'd be a good shot. You know, he, you fade in and you look, see his eyes are down. His heads are down like this. And you, you see he's like, um, duct taped to the, to the, the chair. chair. And the, it, it, you know, focuses on how bad his feet is, or how bad his face is, and then it, it shoots to, like, underneath the chair, and you see just blood just, you know, streaming down off the chair from the yeah. wound in his back. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. So what happens? What happens to him now? Um, what I'm thinking is, uh, uh, they come in, and, uh, you know, after, the the hillbilly dad gets done with doing whatever he's doing with the the cross. Uh-huh. Um he comes back in, he's he's uh sitting there wiping the um the mud off his boots, right? The sun the sun comes in. He's he he's he's uh got this bag of tools. But it's not like a bag of tools, it's like a like an archaeologist pallet type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got I'm all the... You. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he starts, you know, wiping off all the blood on his face or something like that. Like cleaning him up? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, as he's doing that, um, the dad walks into the kitchen. He goes in the, uh, the refrigerator. And then he looks inside. He pauses for a second. And, uh, he kind of taps his finger on, on the, um, the refrigerator. He's like, hmm. Has to be an old fridge. Because yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. electricity. Yeah. So it has to be it's like, got like the giant block. ice yeah. block. Yeah. And he just kind of taps his finger on, on the refrigerator. And he's like, hmm. Slams the door. Turns around, leans, uh, against the door. And he looks over. He's like, that boy drank my last beer. <laughs> 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 and then uh he walks over uh to his son cleaning up the the guy. He grabs a chair and sits right next to him. And uh he notices the guy's kind of like veering off. He's like from so much pain, all the blood, you know, he's getting lightheaded. His eyes are kind of rolling on the back of his head. He's you know, he's losing focus he's losing thought almost consciousness and uh he's sitting there and he he 
just kind of like leans forward and puts his, his arms on his thighs. And he kind of like looks at him all crazy. He's like, what's wrong with you, boy? Feeling a little funky? You okay? And then, uh, the, the guy just kind of like looks back at him and is like trying to keep his eyes open, right? And then uh, the old hillbilly dad's like, What's wrong with you, boy? Did you hear me? Backhands and boom. And he's like, woo, 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 woo. Starts panting heavily. And uh, and uh, the son's like, He's like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, Don't you talk back to me, boy. I know what the f- I'm doing. Right? And uh, he's like, Yes, sir. And he, he keeps cleaning them up, right? Uh-huh. And then, uh, they get like a, uh, a moist towel and like straps it around, uh, top of his head. And then, um, they get, uh, uh some clamps for a, a, a car battery. Uh-huh. And they bring in a car battery and they have it tied off at the, uh, at the, uh, the ends, right? And they get a, um, a pasta strainer and put it on the top of his head. And then, uh, they clamp the, uh, the uh, the other end of the positive and the negative to the uh to the thing, but they don't have it hooked up to the car battery yet. And uh the guy he's looking up, he's panicking, he's like he's trying to, you know, within uh withheld himself from uh going in unconsciousness. And uh he's panicking, he's like, Oh, oh, oh you can see on his eyes he's he can barely like maintain, you know, his eyes being open whatsoever. He's freaking out. And, uh, the, uh, the hillbilly old man's like, so let me ask you a question. What are you here for? Like questioning him, you know, just a random question, not just some general. And, uh. Let me cut you there. Let me go there. Hold on. Let me, let me jump in here. Because my imagination is like, okay. <clears throat> he goes, this is the dad. You ready? Yeah. Okay. He sits down, you know, before he's like, <clears throat> he looks at him. He goes, I don't want you to burn in hell, boy. Can you imagine how much fire could be in hell, boy? And then as he's saying that, then uh, the sun lifts up to his feet and he's putting a, like a bucket, bucket of water. water. Yeah. And he's like, I'll show you just a little taste of what the burn of hell feels like. And then go. And, and then he, like I said, he put, he gets the car battery with the positive and negative charge on, on, uh, the, uh, metal pasta strainer. And, uh, th- they got the car battery right there. And he puts it on real fast and, and then they take it off real fast. And then, uh, what does he say? <laughs> You're going to laugh, but this is what I hear in my head. <clears throat> the, he's like, Aah! you know, he's getting shocked. And then the father's like, the power of Christ compels thee. You know, he's like praying for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying, he, he busts out like a mini little Bible and starts praying for him. Uh-huh. Try to get the devils out of him. Uh-huh. That'd be awesome. You don't understand, boy. I'm trying to save your soul. I don't want you to go to hell, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And then as the, as the guys, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and then the other guys like, you know, Telling him he doesn't mm-hmm. want to, the the hillbilly brothers like, oh thank you Jesus, thank you Lord, thank you Jesus, thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. But what I want you to do, because uh-huh. we got this whole thing going right now, um, you know, you look back on this episode, uh-huh. uh, and I don't know if you could find it somewhere or not, but remember a while back we went with, we actually went with Dean, your mom, uh, Evangelina, your sister and I, we went and seen, um, <clears throat> Deliver Us from Evil. Yes. I remember you saying that. That. It has some good ideas in it. Okay. And you could probably, you know, get some sort of a basis off of, you know, some of the stuff that they have in there. It'd be good. Okay. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's sitting there. He's going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the guy's just like literally like spittles coming out of his mouth. He's starting to. Uh, that's awesome. Now the point, now here's the question is, does it go to that point where blood starts coming out of his eyes and his ears and his nose and he just literally, he's like electrocuted? Yeah. And that's how he, he dies. Yeah, but I, not during the first time. Oh, this is going to be a, a multiple sequence? Yeah. And then he'll, he, he'll, he'll take off the thing real fast and, uh, he starts praying for him, right? And, uh, you see the guy, he's like, <sighs> like he's about to, like, like, pass out. Okay. <clears throat> because I, I'm, I'm putting together, okay, this, oh, fuck yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, they, they go ahead and they turn him off, right? Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there, he goes, I will save your soul, boy. And now it's time for you to bear your cross. <laughs> so, you know, and then it shoots away. And that's, that's it for a while until we see the, the father, the American father. Yeah. We shoot back to the daughter. The daughter's running through this house. It's all dark. She's trying to fill her way around. You know, she's trying to make her escape. And, um, she comes across her brother on the floor. Somewhere in the house. Okay, okay, go with it. And uh she calls whatever his name is out. He's like, so and so, so and so. Oh my god! She starts panicking, right? Uh-huh. She tries shaking him to wake him up or whatever. He's over there, like he's got like foam coming out of his mouth, right? His eyes are rolling in the back of his head. He's not dead. He's just unconscious. Really drugged, right? Yeah. So you know, she rolls him over, and. uh she tries to hear if, you know, his heart's beating or not, and she hears it beating, but it's kind of like a slower pace. Like a Yeah. And, uh, you know, she starts, she's like, oh, like it's a kind of like a sign of relief, but at the same time, she's still worried because, you know, he, he doesn't show any sign of like real consciousness. Right. So, uh, she tries to pick him up. <laughs> Here's a little bit of comedy. Tries to pick him up and, uh, realizes that her brother's almost twice as heavy as her uh-huh. and she falls on her back and she ends up uh hurting her back and like rolling rolling him over and she's like i didn't realize your fat ass was so heavy <laughs> she tries to get up real fast and uh the uh the hillbilly sister comes running down the hallway you foul little bitch and she's like <gasps> she turns around she's Ah, right, she she runs, but then she looks back. She's like, "No, I can't leave my brother." Right, so uh, she tries to drag him, like you know, every stupid bitch would. Uh huh. Uh huh. She tries to drag him into the uh into like the little door frame, right? And uh, she b- 
barely makes it into the side of the door, but little does she know that um she's got like a uh, like a what are those things called? What do they look like? It's like a short pitchfork type thing. Okay, the, like a meat hook? Kind of like that, yeah. Okay. And uh, she has one of those, and then you, it's like backwoods, so the doors are like, everything's almost homemade. Right, right. So she wants, she she's charging at her with this weapon. But it's a big, big house. Yeah. So she's charging at her with this weapon, and uh, she's sitting there. Um, she got her brother behind the door. She's holding the, uh, the thing off, right? And she's sitting behind, she's sitting behind the door on her, on her back and she's got her brother sitting up against the door too because he's just dead weight. Right. And she realizes that and, uh, she, all of a sudden she feels the door, the door jolt. She's like, boom! She, she sees the, uh, these spikes kind of come in through the top. She's like, <gasps> And then she sees him come back and she's like, ah, oh, it's like a sign of relief, right? She's going to stop, right? No, she keeps going. Coming down lower and lower and what lower. Is, and what lower. is it? What is she using though? It's like a, like a, like a small version of a pitchfork type thing. It's kind of like a trident. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 But uh, she's sticking it through the door. She's like, poof. Trying to find, you know, a spot where she can get it, and and the girl's like screaming the whole time. That's why she's like, poof, poof, and she's trying to get her out. Cause she she doesn't want to disappoint her dad, right? So she's like, poof, 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 poof. and finally she stops, right? But she doesn't stop. She she's like, you know what? She drops the thing, and she she uh she runs to the side of the house, comes out of the door, and comes back around. Uh, whatever it is, and uh, the girl, you know, being you know, a stupid girl in a movie, um, no, no offense. <laughs> anyway, uh, the girl, you know, she kind of moves her brother a little bit to get him away from the door, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, she opens the door, you know, peers out, doesn't see anything, sees the weapon on the floor, she tries to grab the weapon, and as soon as uh. She grabs the weapon. She sees the the crazy sister coming around the side uh, through a little corridor area, mm-hmm. and she starts running. She's like, and then uh, she tries to hide, and uh, she comes running through. She doesn't even care about the brother because she knows the brother's unconscious. So the crazy chick's running through, uh, trying to get to the other chick, right? And the other chick, she she's too stupid to realize how to use this thing. And she hits her bluntly in the face. So, and then she kind of falls to the floor. She's like, ah, like stunned. Right. And she gets up and she tries to, uh, tries to use this thing on this chick. And she kind of like moves out of the way real fast. Even though she's stunned, she's kind of got like a little bit of reflexes just because, you know, she's been out in the woods and stuff. She has to have those reflexes. Right. So she kind of like moves out of the way, but it kind of it rips her shirt and cuts her a little bit. And she grabs it real fast and tugs her down and she gets her in a headlock and she rips the thing away from her. And, uh, she starts bringing her in this headlock and she puts her down on the floor and ties her with the, the duct tape. And then she takes her back to the room. So what about the brother? Where's the brother at? The brother's still like in this little corridor area. We're not sure. 
you know, where in the house this is established yet. Maybe it's like a pantry area. Because you know how they have those, like, uh, those houses where it has, like, the kitchen and then on the other side of the kitchen is, like, the pantry. And it has, like, all, like, the foods. And it's like, a, it's like a small room, but it has another door leading to another part of the, uh, the house. Right, right, right. So the brother's still right there. She ties her up, uh, with duct tape, brings her back to her room. She ties her up really good. She's got, um, kind of like, uh, like belts since you know they don't have like real tight stuff that they can you know they have du- she has her duct tape with belts and duct <laughs> and duct tape to a chair <laughs> and uh she's tied down real good she's got like a uh, like i said before you know if you've listened to the other episode um i use the idea kind of like a a sock ball gag type yeah, thing yeah yeah that was genius there and, uh, she's got it, like, tied around, you know, the back, you know, the long tube fucking socks. Yeah. He tied around, uh, the back of her, you know, her face, so she can't scream. And, uh, she's sitting in there panicking, and she's, she's kind of, like, wearing herself out, struggling. And, uh, the crazy sister goes back for the brother. Well, the brother starts waking up. Okay. The brother starts waking up, and she sees, uh... You know, he he starts seeing, like, where the fuck am I? What happened? I didn't realize my first beer was going to knock me out this bad, you know? And uh, he's like, man, I, I, I don't know how I could have a hangover, a hangover, right? He starts rubbing his head, and he hears, like, uh, feet, you know, coming down the hardwood floors. He's like... He's like, wait, what, what the fuck is that? Oh, like the body hitting the steps? Yeah. He's like, what the fuck is that, right? And, uh, what's happening, I was like, we're not sure, you know, how many stories this thing has. So I'm saying, like, maybe, um, they decided to, uh, bring the dad. Let's say two stories. Okay, two stories. Maybe they decided to bring the American dad, you know, um, uh, up another story or something, you know, because they, they might have like a, a tool room or something. Right, right. And, uh, that's where, you know, maybe the dad, maybe they have like a shed area. So they keep all the lumber up at the top of the house. And, uh, they bring the dad up in the chair. Boom, 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 up the thing. He's like, what the fuck is that sound, right? So he's, you know, he's starting to come to a sense. He's like, okay, where, you know, what happened to me? Okay. I came to this guy's house looking for my parents. You know, what's going on? He gave me a beer. And I guess I must have passed out. He, he, I think he drugged me or something. I don't know. He's like, he's freaking out. So, he, you know, he stands up. He's kind of wobbling. Uh-huh. He's like, okay. He sees the, uh, he walks out the door. He sees the kitchen. He's like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, what the fuck's with all this water? And why is there like a car battery on the table? And he walks over. Splashes water in his face. Right? He turns off the sink. And then, uh, you know, he turns around and there's the crazy sister. Okay, wait, let me, let me, not the crazy sister, but the, the other brother. The other brother, okay. Okay, but before he turns around, he's getting ready to turn around, right? Yeah. And just like with the before, you know, the, the knot in the sock behind. Yeah. He's like, mm, you know, and, uh, he goes, he says something like, uh, the brother's like, uh, Oh, what does he say? Your bitch have a sister's for God, but you'll be for me. <laughs> yeah. 
And then you, you know, he's like, ooh, 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 you know, trying yeah. to fight off. So then he's, he's literally, your camera's following him. He's like trying to fight, but the, the, the brothers actually, you know, the hillbilly brothers, pretty good size. He's pretty stocky. Yeah. So he's able to overpower him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see him, he, he drags him out through the front door. He's drags him out to this shed and he's like, literally opens the shed and he's like, one of us pushing him in the shed. And, uh, he walks in. He goes, um, we all have sin, boy. I'll pray for my, or I'll ask for my salvation later. And as he's saying that, he's walking up, he's unzipping his pants. He's know? like, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you see, then it, <clears throat> as he's walking up, you know, then it fades out and it goes back into just a, uh, an external shot or exterior shot of the, the shed. Yeah. And you hear the boy, no! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, so now, <clears throat> okay, so we cut back to the sister. The sister's being tossed on the bed. She's still um, tied, right? Yeah. And the dad's there. You know, he's just you know, doing his thing. I don't know if he's whistling or if he's actually singing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he sits down and he goes, the Lord told me you were pure, child. Is that is that true, child? Are you pure? You've never had another man's cock in you, have you? And she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. he's like, ah, oh, yeah, see. The Lord brought you here to procreate, to make me a congregation. But we can't have you get up and leave. Okay. And she's like, you know, trying to say, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to work, you know, I'll be good, you know. Yeah. He's like, pulls out the, the, the same, you know, Bowie knife from before. Yeah. <clears throat> Rolls her over her stomach and cuts the, the tape and the belt, you know, just cuts it off. And uh, he goes, You have a greater purpose. And what you realize, child, you're going to give me, my boy, a congregation of believers to save this world from this burning hell. And uh, she'll have something, you know, like, please, no, please, no, you know. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to hurt you, child. You were delivered here but we can't have you leaving. So <clears throat> he forces his, forces her over onto her stomach and he takes the duct tape and tapes the hands back up. <clears throat> and um, then the sister goes and is like holding one side of her down and holding one leg. And he goes, this is just to make sure that you don't get away. And he grabs her foot between he puts one hand let's see how do we do that he holds the other leg he'll he'll put his knee on top yeah. of her knee and then his hand is down by her ankle he'll he pulls out a handsaw and literally you start seeing him hold that thought before okay. he starts hacking away at her yeah 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 what he should do is 
break the other leg. That way she can't, like, kick. She'll be in too much pain from that one leg. Take, like, a mallet, put it right on the knee. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so he's, he's sawing, he saws right above the ankle, like, right here. Yeah. You know, because he still wants her to have legs, but he doesn't want, want her to have see. feet. Right. <laughs> So she's screaming, and then it's a shot of the blade going against the skin, and blood's just like, yeah, it's a, you know. So she's just freaking out, and of course, I think at this point, he's not singing; he's whistling. Yeah, you know, and then after you know, just just a couple minutes of her freaking out, then he just holds up her foot, you know, just like. And then you see the foot just on the ground. <laughs> and then that's where he goes. And, <clears throat> oh, no, no, no. Okay, let's back up. He, uh, before he starts sewing, he tells his, his daughter, he's like, Gina Bell, fetch me some sticks. We need to start a fire. It's cold. You know? <laughs> so then they start a fire. And she's taking the knife and she's like, you know, rustling it, you know, trying to get the fire flaming. Yeah. But she leaves the blade in there, right? So then we cut back to him holding the the, the foot and he throws it on the ground and he looks over at the blade that's still in the fire and he grabs the blade in the fire and grabs her leg and he's like, Psh! you know, cauterizes Ooh, it. yeah. And she's like, ah, ah, ah yeah. Okay. She's trying to kick the other leg, but the other leg is like, tunk, 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 tunk. So then, uh, yeah, no, she just, she just loses, I think, one leg or one foot. One foot. I think that's all she needs to do is lose one foot because he wants her, after it heals, she'll be able to still be somewhat mobile with like a cane or something. Yeah. But she, she wouldn't be able to escape. No. You know, so <clears throat> the pain from the carterization, she just passes out and they're sitting there. Just nice and quiet. And say, God bless you, child. You're going to bring us lots of happiness. And he sits there and he looks at, looks at, uh, Jezebel. He's like, Jezebel, where's your good for nothing brother? And she's like, well, the last time I seen him, she was, he's pulling that boy out to the shed. Oh, goddamn boy. He ain't not butt-fucking that boy, is he? And she's like, I don't know. So you see him stand up abruptly and walk out of the room, right? Then it goes back to, like, and it's all dark. You know, and you, you see the, the boy. <laughs> he's facing the camera. And he, his face is down on the ground because the guy's got his head down, you know, while he's doing yeah. this. And the, and the guy behind him is just like, <laughs> you know. And uh, <clears throat> then all of a sudden the door opens, the, the shed door opens. <clears throat> His dad turns on the light. No lights, no electricity. No. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, and he's like, boy, what did I tell you about butt-fucking boys? That's an abomination. Walks out. <laughs> uh, let's see, what is he going to do? He's going to do something. He has to do something extreme. You, uh, fuck, what does he do? What does he do? He's going to do something for penance. 
to the son. He has to do something to his son to make him, you know, for his penance. Um, fuck. What does he do? Let's see. Let's see. He takes him by the throat and he has the knife in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he pins him up against the wall. The door's still open to the shack. Well, the, the shed. And, uh, he pins him up. He pins him up against the wall, and he starts, you know, he's he's threatening him. He's like, you know what? I should cut your damn balls off right now, boy. You don't need them. You do over there stuffing the sausage and the damn pork. You ain't getting nothing done. <laughs> we need you. You can't be spoiling our goods. Now you're uh, riddled with sin, right? Yeah, so, so, he so, so he's like, uh, so he's like, you know what I'm going to do? He takes the knife. The knife's still hot, right? And then, uh. He, he, he still got his hand up against his throat and he starts cutting like, uh, the middle. He's got like a, uh, like a, a torn up kind of, um, flannel shirt on. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, underneath is like a, a fucked up ass, stained, bloody, it's like, like wife beaters. Yeah. Or... And he, he starts cutting it, but it's almost just like a, a hot knife against butter. It's like, <laughs> but you see, it's kind of like cutting. It's kind of cutting open his chest a little bit, right? And he's he's like, "Papa, I know I did wrong. I know I did wrong. Please, 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 Papa, no, no, no!" And he's like, "Shut up, boy!" And pop, punches him right in the freaking nose. He's like, "You know damn well what you're supposed to be doing. What you're not supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be riddled with sin." He's going off at him, right, right, right. And he throws him down on the ground, right. He said, like, "Now take off your pants, boy." Right. He takes his pants off. He, he, and, uh, he's got, um, uh, uh, a lighter with him. And he lights his pants on fire. He's like, you don't need this. You don't need this. Right? He throws it off. And, uh, and <laughs> his son's, his son's freaking out. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking of squeal, big squeal. <laughs> he's kind of like chunky and stocky. Uh huh. So he's not, he's not as big as his other brother. But he's kind of short because he's the younger version. Uh huh. But he's he's also fat because he didn't really grow mu- much. So he's he's like, <laughs> uh, actually, anyway. what I was thinking though is I I I liked it all the way. I liked the whole pants Burton thing, and then um, he takes off his belt and he just starts beating him, whipping him with it. Yeah. Yeah, and then. As he's doing, he's like, say it, boy. Say it, boy. And he's like, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. And he's like, you know. Yeah. That's good. That is good. So then. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. Instead of a belt. Uh-huh. Since they're. Oh, I don't know. Nah. I was going to say. Because you know how they're like in the kind of like the backwoods and they don't really have any kind of means of transportation. They have like a horse stable. Uh-huh. And they grab one of the ho- he grabs one of the horse whips. Oh yeah. Starts whacking him with it. Yeah. Pop, yeah. Pop, yeah. That's, pop. that's better than the belt. Because then you can see like the back of his shirt starting to tear. He's, he's blood's starting to trickle down his legs a little bit. And then and then after he gets done, he stands up. <coughs> the brother stands up. He looks at him and he's like, he walks over and he gives his, I love you, Paul. I love you. I love you. He's like I love you too, boy. You stay away from that sin. 
You're a good boy. You just stay away from that sin. Now get your ass back upstairs. <clears throat> so then, then after that, he leaves. The, the brother leaves, and he's he just looking at the, the American son. He's like, oh, child, child, child. The youth of today is just riddled with sin. In my day, it was just of innocence. You're not even 18, are you, son? And the, the boy, because the boy still has the thing in his mouth, he's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. He's like, oh, it's a shame, boy. You could have grown up to be an honorable man. But now you have your cross to bear. Fade out. That's good. Okay. Now, you're going to see where I'm going to go with this cross to bear thing. Okay. So, <clears throat> then it, it goes back. And, let's see. It'll fade out. And then it'll fade back in. It'll be the house. But it'll be morning time, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you see the the dad's got this, like, dirty suit-looking thing. And uh, the the sister comes down, and, and she's got, like, a dress on. And he's like, hurry up, girl. We don't want to miss Sunday services. That's good. You know what we should do? We should play on that, okay? We should uh, have the dad be like, what, how old? 60, 70? 60s. 60s? Have him have, have him have like a, an old, uh, reverend type esque, uh, yeah, you're suit me. on. You're feeling me. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And have it like just riddled with holes and stuff, kind of like moth eaten type deal, you know what I'm talking about? Right. Have it like that, and then have like this, uh, this, uh, you know how those, they have those little things that come down? Yeah, it's yeah. not Catholic, yeah, so it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah. So we'll have that, but have it be uh, kind of like uh, burnt. So it kind of gives like a kind of a little bit of an indication of what's to happen, right? Right, or something. And uh, okay, so then she she's you know he's telling her hurry up because it's Sunday service. Don't want to miss Sunday services. And uh, she's like, I'm ready, Paul. I'm ready. What about your brother? He'll be ready in just a moment. Did you get the girl clean, ready? She's ready. And then uh, she runs off and, like, to the kitchen, comes back, and she has the, the American sister in this kind of a, a dilapidated, you know, white dress-looking thing. But she's sitting in the wheelchair. And, uh, you know, the, the father, or not the father, but the brother comes out, and he's he's got this, like, 1960s you know, moth-infested type suit, right? Yeah. And they, <clears throat> you follow the camera walks, they walk out the back door, right? And they're walking up, and then there's like a, a pulpit. And these three things in the back, but they're covered with huge white sheets, right? Yeah. And it's just two seats, just two like fold-out seats in front of the pulpit. And so the, um, the, the, the Hillbilly sister pushes, you know, the wheelchair next to the empty seats and they both sit down and then the father walks around in front of the pulpit with these three whatever they are in the back that's covered in sheets and he goes <clears throat> and then the, the father starts doing like a sermon you know 
uh, I don't know, something like, the world is real sin, kids. We have to look up and play and play and, <laughs> and pray and pray to our <laughs> Father, the Savior. We one day will have our own crosses to bear, but today, today we save three souls instead of them going to hell and burning eternal damnation we will send them to the pearly gates of heaven we will do this in the righteous name of our lord and then we will even come closer one step at a time to meet our savior face to face and we will rejoice in his presence and then he turns around i was getting to do it wasn't i yeah he turns around and he pulls the sheet and it's it's the the mother the father and the son and the they're all in crosses they're all crucified and the father's here the mother's here and the son's in the middle and he goes on he's like we will save these souls we will cleanse their souls we will take back what is ours. We will take back this nation, one nation for our God. One bit, one person at a time. Until this entire God forsaken world falls to their knees to our Lord and Savior. You know, so <clears throat> he's going on and he's doing that. And, and the sister, when they pulled back the, the sheets, the sister's like, you know, she's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, the mother at this point has already bled to death. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, she just hanging. Dead. The father's kind of like, eh. You know, he's just saying, you know. He, I think from the electrocution, maybe... He his brain dead or something. He's just saying, yeah, like a vegetable, yeah. yeah. But the son, the son really didn't. Other than getting butt fucked, he really didn't get tortured. So he's like, you know, screaming. He's screaming and screaming. You know, help me, help me, Jenna, help me, and sister. Yeah. I don't know. I just pulled out, you know, pulled out of the air. But <clears throat> so one thing. Let's see. Let me think about this. Um. Fuck, where do we go? I mean, I know how I want to end it. Well, how do we get there? Because that's like the, this is the climactic point of the film, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, let's see. So does he go into like a whole like sermon, like a five minute sermon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have him do like a whole. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's doing the sermon, you know, and the boy's realizing that. <clears throat> the nail on his hand and his right hand was kind of loose. It didn't go all the way into the wood like it should have. So as he's preaching, it's cutting to the sun and the sun's kind of like, you know, wiggling his hand free, wiggling his hand free. And to the point where he wiggles his hand free, right? And from that imbalance, he literally falls. I mean, it, it, of course it's going to hurt, but it, yeah. it, he rips away from the, the, the cross and poof, hits the ground. Right? <clears throat> And um, he goes and he just runs past. I mean, he's like limping, running, but he's he's kind of he's so scared for his life. He's trying to shut off the pain. You know, he grabs his sister and and um, 
well, he, he's like trying to push her and, and it's just not working. You know, they're running, yeah. running, running. And um, oh, let's see, what do we do with the sister? I know he's going to leave her. He has to leave her. She, he has to in order to work. Um, have him uh, have him lose his balance and have the sister fall off the wheelchair and have him slide down this, uh, this inconvenient hill <laughs> or something that leads to a, a side road that that they took um, or that they could have taken instead of going the the route that they went comes down to like a not a big hill but it's kind of like you know a little bit of elevation uh-huh. boom falls off tumbles down boom boom, 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 boom you know uh you know, he's like oh fuck he's like you know shell shocked he's like, oh damn it no my sister right so he's yelling her name yelling her name he's trying to climb up this hill he's like oh fuck it's too steep and when he turns around uh, uh, he sees, you know, somebody that might be able to help him, but it's one of the brothers. Ah, okay, here we go. Okay. Yes, they do that. They're running, they're running, they're running. <clears throat> the wheelchair hits a rock. The sister flies out, right? Yeah. Hits the ground. Boom, lands in a bear trap. They're in Canada. There's bear traps. Yeah. Head just, boom. He's like, ah. You know, he's like freaking out, you know, and then he looks and like you said, here they come. He's running, he's running, he's running, right? We're getting close to the end. So the sister and the brother are running and uh, they're getting closer and closer and he sees the car, you know, that they're in and uh, he's trying to unlock or open the doors because here they come and he can't get the doors open. He goes around because it's like a hatchback and he opens the back of the hat, you know, yeah. hatchback. He crawls into the back of the hatchback and he gets in and he's like, Oh fuck, there's no keys inside here. Right. And they're coming up. They're probably like maybe 10 yards. So 30 feet from where the car is. They're just now, now they had them caught, you know? Just, yeah. Yeah. They're slowly walking up, you know? The, the sister has that small pitchfork that she had earlier. The, the, the father has the bowie and, and then the brother has the, the baseball bat. And they're, they're all like sadistic looking laugh, you know? Yeah. And, uh, as they're walking up, he's like freaking out. And you can hear the father, you know, Jesus, and then as they're getting closer, he realizes he's like, right? He looks and goes to the glove compartment, opens the glove compartment, pulls the back out, and there's a gun sitting right there. America, bitch. Yes. yes. And he pulls out the gun, right? And he jumps out of the car, and he's like, kills the the brother and sister instantly, shoots him in the head. And uh, the father looks at him. He doesn't say anything. The father does. He just looks at him, and it goes back to the the son. He's holding the gun. He's like, American, right? um, See. American, right to bear arms, bitch. And that's how it ends. Yeah. That is, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That, oh, yeah. I think we just, we just wrote ourselves a movie, son. <laughs> I, I like that, but I, I, I think uh, the ending line should be, welcome to America, bitch, the right to bear arms. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, fuck, that's good. 
That is good. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to go into a third installment of this no, case. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be discussing it in further, yeah, in in depth in our own time. And, you know, the funny thing is we did not plan this. No, it was just spur of the moment. No. And the way that this whole episode worked out, we're at we're at the end. That's good. We're at the end of the episode, <laughs> so it worked out perfectly. Yeah. Um. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to everything that we just said. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to get an instant copyright on it. So don't even think about it because by the time you hear this, it'll it's, be copyrighted. It'll already be co- yeah, copywritten. Um, and we'll see because everything in- involves in the house, right? Yeah. And there's not that much special effects. There would be no digital special effects. No, it would just be makeup. And I think we could do this. I mean, I think we could actually do this for cheap. I think the most expensive thing that we would need would be the camera, the lighting. The lumber. The lumber. And then the actors. Yeah. We could probably do this really, really cheap. Yeah. All we would need, because I know Rebecca can do special effects pretty well, but we, we're going to need more people than that because we're going to get a lot of blood. Yeah. That has been awesome. This has been yeah. an awesome night. Um, so I'm going to work on that. Fuck. We'll see what happens. One thing I, one thing I'm doing kids is I, I'm for the year 2014, I am doing a lot of writing. Oh yeah. There's probably more writing that you, than you've done since I've known you. And I, I think this is the Just most. Just in the past six months. I was going to say, I think in the last six months is I've done more writing than that than in the last four years. Damn. Oh shit! So yes, but it's enjoyable. I mean, oh my god! Like I said before, we started this episode. I said you can feel it. There's, yeah, there's just something right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel it too. And it was a joke. Remember? And, it, it, and I, I remember we were trying to get Rebecca in on. It. She's like, "No, I'm just leaving here. I'm just gonna sit here, whatever. Blah. I'm falling asleep." She heard us talking about this. We were getting all excited about it. She's like, wait, 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 wait. You guys are pissing me off. Wait a second. I got ideas too. It's like, yeah, well, hello. Yes. And that'll be the thing is once we sit down and we start writing the script, which we're going to write the script. We are. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm going to take all the notes. I'm going to put it together. And then as we're going through, then we can add more to it. That's the beauty about writing is you can make it as small as you want your first draft yep. and always add to it. Um, so wow. What a, what a great couple of episodes. Oh yeah. So for this week, kids, I am David K. Montoya and I'm Aaron Illich. And if you're not down with the Canadian deliverance, squeal pig, squeal, <laughs> you might be seeing red. Good night. All right. I, I had to send Zoe out of the room for that one because it did get a little too gruesome. But she's back, and she's ready for another podcast show. Is there one particularly that you want to pick? No. No? No. No? There's nothing? No. Okay. How about we pick, let's see. Sure, Doc. Miss 28. Okay. And Sheer Darkness number 28 is The Sheer Darkness Quantrans. 
Originally released August 14th, 2013, which is interesting because this is also a midweek special. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, in this midweek special episode, Terry goes solo as he does the unbelievable when he reports his findings of the future after an experiment much similar to Nostradamus when he wrote the Quatrains. Okay, I really don't remember this, so I'm going to have to sit down and listen to this. And I know Zoe's going to look forward to listening to this, too. <laughs> okay, here we go. Sheer Darkness, number 28, The Sheer Darkness Quantrans. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer, and I bid you welcome to Shearer Darkness. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls of all ages, what we have for you tonight is something truly amazing. In fact, I do not believe this has ever been done in podcast history. In fact, what we have done this past week, I do not believe has been successfully accomplished for over 400 years and the person who was last able to accomplish this feat was the uh, well-known prophet and seer Nostradamus and Nostradamus the, the quatrains of Nostradamus have been printed and reprinted for hundreds of years and I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar, at least to a certain extent, with some of the predictions that most Thomas made. <clears throat> what brought me to this point is, well, we have to go back many years when I was much younger, uh, before... Uh, any well before many of our listeners were born, even this was even before Lord David was born. I knew people who were well who practiced a certain type of magic, and I joined their group. They trained me. They taught me things, and. My life has been such a shambles for many years. I had pretty much forgotten about this episode in my life. And what happened to me during this time period? <clears throat> now, two months ago when I, when I moved, I had to pack up <clears throat> excuse me, everything I, I owned, basically. And drive it down from Idaho and uh, restore almost everything in the, in the storage shed. But during the uh, packing process, I discovered a box, a locked box, that uh, I made during this time period many years ago and had pretty much forgotten about it. 
but it was filled with items that were given to me, items that I earned during this time, and items that I procured myself. One of these items was a scrying mirror. Scrying. Now, I know some of you out there are shaking your heads and you're getting ready to turn the show off, but wait, 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 let me explain. A scrying mirror is a concave mirror that you can hold in your hands, but you don't have to. And within this mirror, which rather than having a uh, silver nitrate pipe, emulsion painted on the back of the glass so you see a reflection when you look into it. This mirror is painted black on the back side. So when you look into it, you don't see reflection. You actually don't see anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't see anything unless you're trained to use the mirror properly. Now, it's been said that Nostradamus used a bowl of water to uh, obtain his, uh, his prophecies, his visions. And that's a, a perfectly acceptable method. The scrying bowl, uh, well, it was used for thousands of years because basically they, they had no other way to approach this technique, um, just take a, a bowl, put water in it, and usually, although I've only heard one time, someone said that Nostradamus may have poured a solution of something that wasn't quoted as to what it was, but a solution, a liquid solution, into the bowl of water to aid him in his visions. <clears throat> Basically, he probably turned the water black because you, you, you don't want any reflection and uh, if you just have a bowl of water, you're A, going to see the bottom of the bowl and B, sometimes you're if you're looking down into it. So you want to have the water be dark. So that may have been how Nostradamus did his scrying with the bowl. I, however, have a scrying mirror now. <clears throat> I discovered this uh, mirror two months ago when I was moving, and I didn't really think too much about it until... Uh, oh, I don't know, six or eight weeks ago. And I, I pulled it out and I experimented with it. And it took me several weeks to get the knowledge back that I had in my head many years from many years ago. In other words, it took me several weeks in order to uh, make the mirror function properly. And one of the problems that Nostradamus had with his predictions was that he did not understand 
what it was he was looking at in the spray bowl. He had no concept of airplanes or mega city skyscrapers, atomic bombs. He couldn't. He couldn't associate what he saw with anything that he actually knew. So his quatrains were, well, basically hard to understand and open to many interpretations. Okay. I, however, was able to, don't laugh, come on, give me a break here. I was able to see into the future some 100 years. And what I have to report tonight is some of the things that I witnessed in the mirror, uh, but they aren't always complete. Uh, they're fragmented, they're jumbled. Sometimes I would see things that happened just a few years in the future. Other times I would see things that happened far into the future, about a hundred years anyway. That's as far as I got. And I want everyone to <coughs> excuse me, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because, of course, what, what I witnessed may not happen, ever, but it's always a possible future that we see. It doesn't necessarily have to take place, but it is a possible future. Just keep that in mind, right? The good news, and I'm going to start way in the future, like uh, 2113. We're going to go 100 years right away because this is interesting and it's, it's fun and it'll um, bring us back. But anyway, okay. In 2013, <clears throat> oh crap, that's wrong. This is 2013. I see like 21. In 2113, <clears throat> excuse me, 2113, the first human was born off planet. That means the first human being ever was born on a world other than Earth. That child was born on the moon at Moonbase Kennedy 1. That's right. There is a moon base on the moon named after President John F. Kennedy, who in the 1960s, the early 1960s, set us on the path to set foot on the moon for the first time. The, the baby who was born at Kennedy 1 was named Luna. Clever, eh? Um, and while we don't know who the parents were, they were obviously scientists or specialists because, uh, well, they were on the moon. And uh, the base has been on the moon in, in 2013, 
2113. The base has been on the moon for almost 10 years. They uh, started building the moon base in 2103. And you're <clears throat> probably asking yourself, well, how in the world did we get a moon base? Well, I'll tell you. If you remember, during the, uh, uh, what do you call that, the pre-election nomination, whatever the hell it was, in 2012, when uh, all those uh, Republicans were uh, trying to be the uh, Republican nominee, okay, you may remember that uh, Newt Gingrich promised, if he were elected president, one of the first things he would do would be to set in progress a plan to have a, a base on the moon. Okay. Well, believe it or not, uh, Mr. Mr. Genrich was elected president of the United States in 2032 the election of 2032. Um, of course, by that time, he was 84 years old. And a lot of people thought they, you know, just gave him the presidency because he tried at least eight times before and uh, never got nominated. But he, he finally made it in 2032. Um, and as a running mate, he chose another old war horse, uh, Mitt Romney, and Mr. Romney was uh, 80 years old in 2032, so they were the oldest president, vice president ever elected, but one of the first things President Ginrich did was to authorize NASA to go ahead with the plans to build a base on the moon. Um, unfortunately, the president did not live long enough to uh, see this uh, plan of his come to fruition. <coughs> Excuse me. Because uh, not too many months into 2033, uh, President Genrich was rushed to the hospital, and a few weeks later, he died from complications of early Alzheimer's. So, that made Mitt Romney president, something he always wanted, of course. However, since uh, President Genrich died of Alzheimer's, a number of his decisions while he was president were scrutinized a little more closely after his death. One thing that they, they scrapped was his desire to move the seat of power for the United States from Washington, D.C. down to the Orlando, Florida, Walt Disney World. 
especially when they found out that uh, the president wanted to take up residence in the Fantasyland castle. So that idea was scrapped. But the one they kept was the plan to put a moon base, to put a base on the moon. They kept that one. So otherwise the little Luna baby would never have been born. <clears throat> so Mitt Romney is now president and he wanted to keep the old gang all together as it were so he appointed Sarah Palin as his vice president and Sarah Palin only would, would only take the job if she could just serve for two and a half years because she didn't want to be tied down to a government job for the entire four years. But <clears throat> President Romney convinced her to take the job anyway, so she did. And then in the spring of 2033, Sarah Palin took the president and the large entourage on a hunting trip in Alaska. And Vice President Palin was off, often fond of saying that if everybody hunted their own food, then there wouldn't be as much hunger in the country. But the President, the Vice President, team of reporters, Secret Service, two guides, plus uh, cooks and retainers, etc., 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 plus helicopters to get them out into the field. It cost taxpayers some $98,000 for this hunting trip. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the reporters asked the Vice President, how do you think that an average person, especially in these economic times could afford such a trip just to go hunting for food. And the president stepped in and said, just ask your parents for a loan. Well, the hunting trip didn't go exactly as planned. Always well, not for everyone. Turned out that two days later, President Romney was accidentally shot and killed by Vice President Palin, and she admitted shooting him, but she thought he was a moose, and from a hundred feet away, I guess he looked like a moose. She shot him dead, but no charges were brought against the Vice President. So, <clears throat> anyway, that's how we got the moon base. Okay, well, enough of that. Uh, now I can explain to you how it was that Newt Gingrich was able to be elected in 2032. In case um, not everyone has heard the news, but the past decade...
okay. Every single year, just about, was hotter than the year before, and the entire decade was hotter than we've ever seen. By 2020, it became apparent, even to the extreme conservative skeptics, that something was going on with the climate. Uh, again, from 
refugee camps uh, were not much better. There was just not enough food to go around. People were dying everywhere. So, somehow or other, um, this situation was blamed on the Democrats who had been in power for two terms, eight years. And even though it was the Democrats who had warned that global warming was a threat, <coughs> the people who were so panic-stricken and unhappy with their lives and the way things were going, that they decided it was time for a change, even if it had to be a Republican president. So, Gingrich was elected president in 2032. By this time, also, unemployment was back up at an extreme, extremely high rate because so many jobs were lost due to the droughts. And let's see, where did that go? Should have been 12%, 12.7%, something like that. At any rate, it was extremely high for, for us. And Newt promised to bring the uh, unemployment level down immediately. Of course, that was a <coughs> wild uh, promise, but people believed him because they needed to believe something. So, uh, he was elected. And shortly thereafter, some half of the unemployed workers committed suicide because he was elected president and the unemployment rate did drop by about half a million. So, at least that part of his campaign promise came true. At any rate, the uh, continued drought and famine caused everything to uh, take a back seat to people trying to just simply stay alive. Uh, inflation was rampant because food was just not available. There were runs on the bank, on the banks, excuse me. People wanted their money because they needed to buy food. A number of smaller banks collapsed and the government put a hold on many accounts to keep the banks solvent. <clears throat> People no longer, the public no longer wanted paper money because it was worthless, basically. So, barter came back into favor where people would exchange goods or services for other goods or services. <clears throat> Major cities, population 
disappeared from major cities because there was no food available and either people either died or they moved to a rural area where they could either grow their own food or there was access to food. The government went back on a gold standard because paper paper money was worthless. And of course, gold and silver prices exploded. So, there was a lot of pressure on the government to do something. And unfortunately, <coughs> the voters decided that they wanted to give the Republicans a shot at fixing problems. And we've already seen we're that bad. And while some perhaps good things did come out of the famine, we need to just hit on one one other thing that happened um, because it will lead into uh, what I'm going to talk about later. So in 2028, Pope Ludacris I announced that gays were now welcome into the church, that there would be no stigma attached to um, gender, gender, excuse me, gender specificity, the love who you wanted to, because after all, he added, that since gay couples cannot have children of their own, that eventually the gay people would grow older and die off, so there wouldn't be a gay problem anymore after that. Alrighty. Then, in 2046, that this is after the famine, and it was uh, finally realized that with all those millions of people dead from famine, that the population of the earth was just too large to support so many people. So in 2046, Pope Ludacris II, by April decree, announced that contraception was going to be allowed for the first time ever, but only in third world countries where there just too many people and not enough food. And that it would probably be a temporary decision. But the countries involved were most of Africa, except for South Africa, India, Asia, Indonesia, most of South America, all of Central America, and all of Mexico, as well as the southern United States from Texas to Florida. <coughs> Mm 
Texas to North Florida. The reason that South Florida was not involved in this was because that two years earlier, uh, the people of South Florida voted to secede from the Union. This is just South Florida. They seceded from the Union and formed a new country. And they didn't want to call their new country South Florida because that would associate them with the United States and they no longer wanted to be associated with the United States. So they called their country New Israel. And they also made it mandatory that no one under 55 years of age could enter Israel unless you were children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren of someone who was already a resident. Also during this time frame, <clears throat> Southern California, the voters of Southern California <clears throat> excuse me, took a vote and decided that they wanted to annex Southern California back to Mexico. Um, at the time, the Latino population of Southern California was close to 78%. Asians made up 12% of the population. Afri African Americans, 6% and whites were only 4% of the population. So the vote uh, was overwhelming to annex Southern California back to Mexico. <clears throat> and after that took place, they built a wall of concrete and steel from the Pacific Ocean east up above Bakersfield and all the way across to the Nevada border and then south along the Arizona border all the way to Mexico. The only area that does not have a fence is where the Grand Canyon <coughs> excuse me, the Grand Canyon blocks access to Southern California and the fence was erected to prevent white people from sneaking back into the state. Um, for some years before that, um, Hollywood had been slowly moving most of its uh, movie-making process up into Canada anyway, where the taxes were uh, less. There were many more actors available for work. So, by the time Southern California was annexed back to Mexico, Hollywood was pretty much dead. And the new movie capital of the world became Canada. Also, gay marriage was uh, declared legal in every state of the Union except the southern states from Texas to Georgia. And pot became legal in 
all the states um, except the southern states from Texas to Georgia. Uh, however, down south there, they did legalize homebrew moonshine. They legalized moonshine. But in the first few months of that legalization, some 800 plus cases of blindness were recorded in Mississippi alone. At least one thing that I've been waiting years for takes place in the near future. In 2025, the video wristwatch finally goes on the market. Uh, I've been waiting for that ever since the uh, you know, Dick Tracy comic strips where you know, we had the, the phone and the little video screen so you could uh, see who you were talking to at the same time. <clears throat> so that finally became available. Also, during, well, just before and during the, the decade of famine, um, something good came of that, I suppose you'd say. Uh, some of you may have heard recently that uh, scientists and researchers were able to form a hamburger patty from cells taken from a cow's shoulder. They use stem cells to produce a patty of cow meat. And they cook this patty of hamburger and allowed several people to taste it on air, on, on camera rather. And, <clears throat> well, it was bland. It is actually meat. And it was grown from just a few cells of the cow. Now, during the famine, research was uh, sped up on uh, bringing this idea to the table because just, oh, excuse me a bit, my tongue, <laughs> just as. Uh, People were starving because there was not enough food for them to eat. The uh, livestock, cattle, chickens, pigs, whatever, were also dying off because there wasn't enough for them to eat either. So research was upgraded on the uh, stem cell beef. And they, of course, they can, they can do the same thing with pork and chicken. And those items were able to uh, go on sale toward the end of the famine decade. But they were expensive to produce, and therefore none of the you know, poor people could afford to purchase this uh, type of uh, meat. However, we went to the Japanese, they came to the rescue with 
cakes and crackers. I don't mean frosting cakes, I just mean little square cakes like square crackers. Crackers made from algae and seaweed. Um, very high in protein, fairly easy to produce, and affordable by almost everyone. These little protein crackers um, were nicknamed by people who thought the idea was uh, not as good as it could be. Uh, they, were, they were nicknamed Soylent Green for the seaweed and algae crackers and the uh, stem cell needs was called Soylent Pink. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the movie Soylent Green, this might not mean anything to you, but uh, it's pretty funny if you if you know what's going on. And by the way, the movie Soylent Green was taken from a book by Harry Harrison called Make Room, Make Room. I won't uh, spoil the ending by telling you what Soylent Green is just have to rent the movie or read the book. It's, it'll be good for you anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. Another interesting side effect, I suppose you could say, of the Great Famine um, was that religion took a bounce, let's say. Uh, some people became even more fervent in their religious attitude, you know, praying constantly and uh, expecting God to to save them. Millions more people became frustrated with their faith and left the church seeking something else, something that make them feel better, <clears throat> something, a, a faith, a religion of some sort that they didn't have to expect favors from the God. And what many people turned to during this time was the first church of Freddie Mercury. For those of you who have not heard of this organization, it was started uh, in 2013, and it's basically, its basic philosophy is that they revere Freddie Mercury as a singer, songwriter, musician, and all around wonderful person, and they revere the other band members of Queen as well, and they don't have to do anything to be a part of this religion, except worship Freddie Mercury, and worship is a strong word, you don't actually have to get down on your knees and pray to him. 
all you have to do is love this music and love the man. And with the famine killing millions of people, millions of young people especially, began to turn to the first church of Freddie Mercury. And more and more people joined. And after the Great Famine, by uh, 2050, the first church of Freddie Mercury became the third largest religion in the world. And while in the United States, the song Bohemian Rhapsody was the anthem of the young people who revered Freddie in the Mideast, and the young people who turned away from uh, the Muslim faith chose a different anthem. Theirs was Fat Bottom Girls. So, Consider, if you will, what might happen if there was a, say, an eight-year drought that led to a ten-year famine worldwide. The uh, industrialized nations fared somewhat better than the third-world nations. But, uh, Asia, Africa, Indonesia. The bodies piled up faster than they could bury them. In India, cremation fires burned all day and lit up the night all night. Of course, the very young and very old were the first to succumb. And roving bands of thugs would descend on rural areas trying to steal as much food as they could. People's frustration and fear, well, they naturally turned to religion for some sort of solace, but after six and seven years without any kind of Relief, many people change the direction of their faith. First in the United States and then Canada and it spread to the UK and Europe. The first church of Freddie Mercury got more and more followers because it didn't cost anything. You didn't have to go to church. Anywhere you were, you could listen to the music or sing along. And the music of Freddie Mercury and Queen made people happy. It changed their attitudes just for a few minutes, and that's all it took sometimes. People wanted some sort of pleasure out of life once again. And so, tent revivals sprang up across the, the Midwest of the United States. On the coasts, people would go to 
stadiums and in auditoriums. And they would just get together and they would sing. Bands would sing the songs of Queen, play the songs of Queen. Everywhere, people were turning to Queen and their music to make themselves feel better. And by 2050, it was a worldwide movement. Movies like Highlander, in which Queen wrote and sang the soundtrack, were shown at uh, theaters, Friday and Saturday midnight showings, where the audience could sing along. Knight's Tale, where the first opening segment was Queen. We Are the Champions became very popular, cult classics almost. Everywhere, people were turning to their music because it made them feel better. And by now, I'm sure most of our listeners have realized that most of this program was a spoof. But some of the things I talked about could conceivably happen in the near or distant future. Certainly climate change is real. The possibility of a worldwide famine grows a little closer every year and the church of Freddie Mercury does exist and if you have any interest in that you can find the first church of Freddie Mercury on Facebook all you have to do is love the music and love the man that's all they require, and sing-alongs are optional. So at this point, we begin to wonder, where are we going, the world? Where is the world going? Is it going to hell in a handbasket, or are we going to roast in another the way. At the North Pole, and this was just on the news one or two nights ago, they're finding polar bears who are dead from starvation. They're starving to death because the ice is melting. And they can no longer hunt seals up there. Giant, fucking, beautiful animals are dropping dead because they're starving to death. Because the ice is melting. Because of climate change. What I said about the past decade being the hottest on record is true. What are we going to do about it? Again, for many of us, it won't matter. We'll be dead before anything really traumatic occurs, most likely. 
what about our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren? Are they going to suffer because of the sins of the fathers, I guess you could say? <coughs> Excuse me. We need to do something. And if you have in the district where you live a congressman or senator, representative, who is considering voting one way or another on a climate bill, please write to them and tell them to vote in favor of stopping or at least slowing down climate change. It's almost too late that we have to do something to save what there is left of the planet. And one thing we could do is cut down the population because too many people emit too much gas. I'm talking about people, not just their cars. They complain about cows emitting too much methane gas. What about people? What do you think people emit gas every day? And I'm sure there are more people in the world than there are cows. Something has to be done. Just think about it, people, please. That's all I ask. Do what you can while you can. Alright. Okay, I guess I've been to your ear long enough. Bored some of you. Hopefully enlightened a few. So, uh, I'm going to fade away now. And Finn will see you, or at least talk to you next week. Good night, all. Okay, kids. That was interesting. I I had forgotten. I mean, it's been so many years. Um, 2013, so that's been over five years now. That's kind of hard to believe it's been that long. Wow. All right, kids. We are coming to an end for this one. We've got one more show that Zoe needs to pick out. So go ahead, Zoe. Pick out one more show. And what did you get? What we think none of the 33 good and bad movies. Okay, uh, let's see. What We Think, number 33, Good and Bad Movies, originally released January 25th, 2014. It says, Sadie and Dave, yours truly, get into a conversation about both movies, the good as well as the bad. Sadie picks the Fast and Furious, number 6, with Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. As where Dave's film is God Bless America with people none of us know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to send uh, Zoe out of the room for this one because I, I remember ranting about that movie. And yeah, it, you guys will, if you haven't heard it, it's going to be fun. Okay, let's enjoy what we think, number 33. Good and bad movies. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am Miss Sadie Burbank. Well, let's just jump right into it. 
Because I really don't have a whole bunch to say, but okay. I, I was kind of curious, your interpretation, you saw Fast and the Furious 6. Uh-huh. And, of course, that's Paul Walker's final Fast and Furious right. f- film. Sadly, it is. Now, have you seen the other five? Uh, off and on, yeah. It was kind of weird to me because, um, not to spoil the, you know, okay, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, one of the things they're doing in this movie is they discover, uh, Letty, who is, uh, Vin Diesel's wife in the previous movies. Okay. Well, as I remembered, I thought, <clears throat> I thought his wife got shot in their house at the beach and they buried her. But that could have been a different movie with him in it. Right. Too. Because they said in this movie that uh, something else happened. I forget what. But she she died some other way. Uh, and But she didn't really die. They, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, so I got a little confused with that in terms of my recollection. Um, but in terms of story yes. content, this is... You know, this is something these things are not necessarily widely famous for. You know. <laughs> right. Seriously, <laughs> folks. Um, and uh, to me, they're kind of like circuses. Uh-huh. You've seen one. You've, you've seen, seen them all. Them all. Right. Uh, car chases, they're cool, you know, then the, the fighting, and that's pretty much what they do in these movies. And so that's, you know, I, it, it, I, I would not be able, if that's where you're going, I wouldn't be able to compare it. Uh, this one to previous ones necessarily okay. not with any accuracy at all but um i was telling lacy about it on the way home from the gym this afternoon and i said that <clears throat> the thing that is weird to me about the attraction of these movies okay right. first i like most of the guys that are in it and okay. i find them appealing um and you can take that however you want. Uh, and the women are also appealing in terms of they're usually strong, determined women who don't right. mind kicking butt. Uh, and I like that. I like to think I, if I was younger and stronger, I would be that. Um, but <laughs> having said that, um, well, there, there's this one scene where they're in a plane. Okay. This, this C-130 jobber. Right. Uh, I think that's the number. The one that, you know, you can haul houses in. Yeah. Big, 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 big plane. Um, it, it hits the runway because, um, the idea is that the bad guys are going to drive their cars into the back end of the transport plane. Okay. And it's going to take off and they're going to get away with their booty, whatever the hell it was. And, however, the good guys are chasing them. Right. And so they also drive in the back end of the car. And, and in addition to that, they also do this thing where it's kind of strange. They, I don't know how they did it, but they managed somehow to, uh, throw cables and things around parts of the plane and around their cars. And so this plane has got like five or six cars hanging off of it. The object being to make it so heavy it can't get off the ground again. Okay. Now, all this is going on while this plane is running down the runway. Okay. It's, it's, it's come down to land, but it doesn't intend to stop. It's just going to do a running landing and take off again. Right? right. And, and so there's a good 
10 minutes of this activity going on. <laughs> while the plane is still, I told her, I said, this is the longest fucking runway in the world. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And, uh, and so then they get in there, the ones that are supposed to be in the plane, and then they start having a fight. Okay. The bad guy and Vin Diesel and then, uh, Dwayne Johnson and, and another bad guy, and they're pounding on one another, you know, and they can do that real good because these guys have got, uh, they got biceps bigger than my head. You right. Know, they're just humongously strength, uh, strength, strong. And the bad guy is not necessarily, he's just really bad, but he doesn't have like, you know, he's, he's, he's not a wrestler, so body. not a Vin Diesel mm. or a Dwayne Johnson, but he gives tit for tat. Okay. He gets hit. He hits back. They get hit. They hit back. And, and this goes on and on. And then every once in a while we go outside and see what's hanging off the plane <laughs> and who, and how that's working, you know, and how many people are getting shot. And for a while there, because it's dark and everybody's driving sort of the same color car, you really can't tell who's who. Right. You know, except when they do a close up of one of the guys and you go, Oh, that's so and so. I, I recognize him, you know, and, and if you don't recognize him, I guess you figure they're the bad guys group, you know, their crew or whatever you call. Them. Anyhow, so then it goes back inside and they're still pounding, you know, and then there's lurching of the plane that goes on and there's uh, cargo that shifts, you know, and you think, Oh, good. That's done now. They're all done. But no, they <laughs> managed to come back and they're pounding on each other. And I, at one point, I told her, I said, don't these guys have any balls? He says, what do you mean? I said, why doesn't somebody kick somebody in the fucking balls and stop the fight? <laughs> what is this about? You know, if you're going to, if you're really fighting to the death, right. and that's what they're doing, they're fighting to the death, right. okay, then, you know, what is, I know there's a camera there. You, All the people watching it know there's a camera there because we're watching a movie. Right. But theoretically, they aren't supposed to know there's a camera there. They're supposed to be fighting to the death. Why aren't they killing each other? What's with the pounding and the back and the forth, you know? And it's like, uh, it's, they're just, it's a self-perpetuating fight is all it is. And after so much pounding, it gets to be boring <clears throat> right. to my female mind. Anyhow, because like I said, the object of the fight is to kill the guy. Right. And if you can't kill him, kick him in the nuts. I, it's real simple. But they never do. They uh, fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And, fight. and so that got kind of... It actually know. sounds comical. Well, it, it, it would have been if it wasn't, you know... I mean, there were some good sound punches landed, uh-huh. you know, some some stuff, you know, and the guy'd be down and you're sure he's out for the count, you know, but no, he pops up like a little spring, you know, Bing, I'm back, you know, and it, 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 it was not in any sense realistic. And so I tell myself, well, it's not really supposed to be because if you've seen the if you've seen the uh, the driving things, you know, they're driving down the road in an impossible situation. Ernie said, where's all the pedestrians? Oh, wait, they're on the side watching the movie. Yes, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, they're driving. And at the end, they have this little tiny disclaimer, you know, in minuscule writing. And it says, you know, dangerous cars don't do this in a home, you know, that kind of shit. Right, right. But um, <clears throat> it, it um, oh, and then there's this one, one part was comical. The guy, the bad guy has a tank inside another car. It was kind of like uh, a poor man. You know how the, <clears throat> the the Transformers do, you know? They, yeah. They transform, you know, hence the name. You're talking to an 80s kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. So it, it was kind of like that because they're driving this odd-shaped, bulky, big basket of a car or vehicle, 
down the freeway, and then all of a sudden, uh, they burst out of it with a tank. You know, and this tank comes exploding out of this vehicle, because something happened to the vehicle. It was um, d- d- messed up so they couldn't drive it anymore. But no, they're not done yet. Beaten, they come out with this tank, you know. And it's got a 15-foot-long cannon oh, sticking out of it. <laughs> seriously. And they're driving. And then the, the bad guy, who is seriously bad, he decides, I think it would be fun if we drive down the other side of the road and see how many people we can smash with our tank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, almost literally, that's what he said. So the, and she's all, no, you can't. And he's all, yes, I can. No, you can't. Yeah. So he does. He drives across the, you know, freeway. And so he's driving into oncoming traffic and as many of them as he can, he's smashing, he's smashing them, uh, with the tank. <laughs> we have help. <laughs> he's, he's smashing the cars with the tank. I mean, really badly. Right. You know, like, bam, right into them. And then driving over him, you know, so that he leaves this squashed little dead person and squashed little dead car, you know, and he's having, he's laughing, you know, his evil maniacal laugh, you know, <laughs> and I don't know how many people he killed that way, 50 maybe, you know, just driving and doing, and she's all, how can you be doing this? And oh, it's fun. It's fun. You know, it was, it was that part was almost comical. It, and, and then there was one really great shot where Letty, she was, she, okay, Letty, huh, hmm, they, everybody thought she was dead. The bad guy came in, found out she wasn't dead, but she had no memory. So he figures this is good because she's hot and she's tough and she doesn't know who she is. So I'll keep her. Right. You know, and so he got her working for the bad guys. Well, then somehow or other she decided that was dumb. And so she's almost switching to go to be with the good guys again. And, but Vin Diesel knows who she is. And so he's, protecting her and all that stuff well at one point um the bad guy gets pissed at her i think and he fixes it so she's in a vehicle where she can't survive and so somehow or other she gets flung out of this vehicle oh no oh no he tells her to jump i think it is yeah yeah vin diesel says jump i'll catch you (laughs) you know she's going this way he's going that way 100 miles an hour and and so she does, like a fool. <laughs> I'd be, are you fucking kidding? But anyway, she jumps and he jumps, you know, so they're like midair. Um, you know those, the parts of freeways where there's like no median, it's just down to the right, next level? Right, right, right. Okay, it's like open spaces. Yeah. They're, they're, she, she's coming from this side and he's coming from this side and they meet and he grabs her, right? Right. And you figure, okay, well, they're going to die together and that will make them happy. But no, he, they manage <sighs> somehow he gained momentum back in his direction. I mean, they wouldn't have because, you know, she's going like this, he's going like that. He's a heavier body. If anything, they'd have gone on her side. But right. anyhow, they go back on his side and he lands on a car against the windshield with his back clutching her and saves the day. Okay. Which it was really cool. It was, it was a great, CG shot as uh-huh. far as CG goes, but <clears throat> later she goes, "How did you know that car was going to be there?" Yeah, and I'm like, "It was in the script." <laughs> <laughs> How do you? What do you? Anyway, um, so it was. It was. Um, it was about what you'd expect out of a Fast and Furious. The main reason I wanted to watch it was I wanted to see if uh, 
Mr. Walker was as good an actor as I remembered that I thought he was. And uh-huh. he was. He was a very good, he did a good job. He was believable as his character. It's a loss to the industry, for sure, that he's gone. Uh, ironic that he went in the way that he did. Yes, but, very. Um, yeah. If I wouldn't spend money on the movie, but, you know, I guess in a way I did because we got it from Netflix, you know. We right. We pay them, what, 10 bucks a month and we get as many right. movies as we want out two at a time forever. So, technically, I did spend money on it, but actually Ernie ordered it, not me. Uh, and I did spend time watching it. And it, you know, it wasn't all that bad. I've seen way worse. Way, way worse. You know, plus I like Vin Diesel. I mean, he's okay. He can't do anything wrong. No? Yeah, he's good. Dwayne Johnson, not so much. He's a little pinheaded looking. I shouldn't say that on air. But, he, I mean, his head looks a little small and pointy for the rest of his body to me. Just me. Just me. Just me. He's really bulked up. I mean, because, you know, I was a wrestling fan. I'm, uh, can I use was? For the most part, I think I can use was. I'm not really big into wrestling. Yeah. And compared to what he used to look like when he wrestled as The Rock. Yeah. To the way he looks now. Yeah. He's just completely, and I could be completely wrong, but he looks like he's really roided up. Yeah. Maybe he did. I don't know. Because I don't know him from before. Um, and, and he's fairly decent. I mean, he, he makes his character believable. I don't. I don't know if he could do that with characters that weren't in that genre. Right. You know, where Vin Diesel can, in my opinion. I've seen, you know, Pitch Black's one of my faves. Um, and um, and he definitely can uh, portray... Different characters. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know that, you know, and I've seen several different Dwayne Johnson movies, too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He's okay. He's he's just not as hot to me as Vin Diesel. <laughs> I like Vin Diesel. Lacey and I have a thing for Vin Diesel. We both like him. Yes, so I, I'm I'm well aware. Well of aware of her thing for him. Yeah, yes. I know. It's like Ernie. He knows all my <clears throat> all my beloveds in the industry. But you know, I mean, the, it was okay movie. It wasn't it wasn't a bad movie. It really wasn't. It was just a little long in the. In the fight, fight scenes the, yeah. and, and some of the car scenes, you know, you get. It's fun to watch those things because they're impossible. Right. You know, so that you, you can sit there and go, wow, that'd be cool if you could really do it, you know, at my age. Unfortunately, kids that are 15, 16 years old go, oh, that's cool. I think I'll try it, you know. Hello, right. jackass, wrong. But. Uh, well, like what I said, there's do? a disclaimer at the end, you know, if they bother to stick around and read it, then they go, sure, right. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. But I, it's okay. I've seen two movies. And I actually, I think I'm going to start with the movie. Now, you've known me for, we're going on 11 years now. Mm-hmm. And it is very hard for me to, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't insulted, I was offended. Mm. And... It was just the offense level actually kept me watching. Really? Yes. What, what was this? It was called God Bless America. Hmm. Who's in it? Just it was it was a like I think it was a Line Gate movie, but it was pretty much unknown actors. Yeah. 
And it, it starts with this man. He's laying in bed and he's obviously he's, he's in the bedroom and he can hear uh, a baby crying. And they shoot over to the next, you know, next room and you find out, you know, he's in the apartment and they have paper thin walls. Mm-hmm. And he's laying there and he's talking about his insomnia and how he don't feel good and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into this daydream as it were and it, it shoots to him in while he's daydream he grabs a, a shotgun he breaks down next his next door neighbor's door he shoots the husband and he shoots the baby and then he shoots the wife now gee what a nice guy instantly after the point of shooting i'm pretty much erupting the baby with the shotgun i was very offended um as a writer and I think you, you're going to agree with this. As a writer, there's things that you just don't cross. Well, you don't need to. You don't need to. He could have shot the crib legs out or something. He didn't have to shoot the kid. Right. And Especially not if he's upset. Was he upset because the baby was making noise? Yeah. Move. Which was interesting because <laughs> when I thought... Get another I, apartment. Well, when, when I was... Watching this, and he was talking about, well, they're they're no good parents, and they're just lazy beats, and oh well, okay. and, and I, I was he doesn't get to be judge and jury. But my 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 thoughts went to this and executioner, this screenwriter, whoever's writing this script, yeah, is not a parent, has never been a parent. Well, even if they were, he's not. He's lazy. Yes, he's a lazy writer. You know, it's too easy <clears throat> to write something like that. So, garbage. so garbage. he goes to work and he's having these head headaches and, and in the process of going to work, he's talking to his ex-wife. Wait a minute. Okay. Gap. Yes, there is a gap in the movie. Shot the people. That was a fantasy. Oh, he didn't really shoot them. No. Oh, I thought he really shot them. No, no, it was a fantasy. He wanted to yeah. shoot them. Well, okay, let me, after he blows the baby into smithereens and he shoots the wife. It shoots back to him, or cuts back to him, laying in bed, and he's got a big old smile on his face, you know, oh, thinking about okay. that. And then it cuts away to him. He's walking down the street. He's in a suit and tie. Uh-huh. He's talking on the cell phone to his ex-wife, uh-huh. saying that he's demanding to see his daughter, which his daughter is like, I don't want anything to do with your psycho ass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now we we figured out this point that this guy is the main character in the movie. Interesting enough. He's not a protagonist. He's an antagonist because you don't you don't like him. I I did not connect with his character at all through the movie. In fact, I'll jump ahead a little bit and to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done, mm-hmm. and I I leaned up to to push stop. Mm-hmm. Is when the movie ended. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. It might have been maybe a little over, maybe sixty five, seventy minutes total. I think I probably would have pushed it sooner <clears throat> than that, but anyway. So. He's the the daughter wants nothing to do with him, and he's having these headaches. And he's in his office, and he's talking about American Idol, and how people are stupid because you know uh, people are just lazy, and that's you know they the only reason why you have shows like American Idol is because you get up there and ridicule the people that can't sing. It's not really based on the people that can sing. And he's going back and forth to the guy sitting behind him at his desk. And during this process, he's getting loud and he's yelling. Well, his supervisor comes out, calls him in the office, and he gets fired just because of cutbacks in the company. 
So from that point, he's walking back. It cuts away from him being fired to now he's walking back down the street. And he's holding his head. And then all of a sudden, it shoots to him sitting in, in this older guy. He's got a cell phone. He's cussing. He's talking. He's ranting. And, and there's no coherent dialogue. He's just like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. Blow him. You know. And then it cuts to him sitting across the desk from him. And he's just sitting there looking at him. And you're like, what? What's going on? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I can't read the character's mind. I, I, I'm not psychic. I, I haven't seen the script. I have no clue what's going on. And so after the guy gets done cussing him out, cussing whoever's out on the phone, he hangs up and he's like, okay, um, you have a brain tuber. You're going to die in like six weeks or some shit like that. And he turns the laptop around and shows him this really shitty looking MRI image. And, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, to me, it looked like someone took, you know, a pulled up MRI of the head image on Google, mm-hmm. took a, an eraser, mm-hmm. you know, erased out a, a white spot so it looked like there's a tumor in the head. Well, he said, he figured, well, if he's going to die anyway in the next six weeks, he's just going to go on a killing spree. I have seen this movie. You have. Finally got to a part I recognized. Is this where he picks up the girl and takes her on the killing yes. spree with it? Yes, I've seen this movie. I have seen this movie. It was weird. It was. I'll give you that. It was weird. I don't remember that I was offended by it, uh, but I don't remember that much about it. Anyhow, I remember the part about he, for whatever his reasons were, he didn't have anything to lose. And then for somehow he picked up the girl because, oh, she went and blew somebody away. And so, and he watched her do it. Right. And so, because she blew away somebody she didn't like, and he watched her do it, and so they hooked up and went on a killing spree. Yeah, yeah. and it was just... That was a weird movie. You're right. And to be honest with you, it just felt like it was a waste of time. I, I just mm-hmm. felt ripped off. I really yeah, did. Yeah, especially as it does progress. I do remember that it was very bloody at the end, and it uh, and most of the, the um, murders that occurred were sort of pointless to they were, whatever they were story there was. There wasn't much of a story anyway. It was, you know, it was, I think maybe, you know, to cut him some slack, the author may have been playing with the idea of, well, if you knew you were going to die, you know, what would you do? Right. And I guess some part of his psyche decided it'd be fun to go and kill a bunch of people. Whoever he kills, just because nobody can do anything to him because he's going to die anyhow, which is sort of a fucked way to look at things. You know, if that if that's really something he wants to do, right? And the only thing that's keeping him from doing it is the fact that he's not dying from a brain tumor. Then that's sure somebody I don't want to know too much. I don't know. It was just a messed up idea. Another thing that I think because it came out in 2012. Um, or was it 2013? Yeah, 2013. We're in 2014. Sorry, folks. I still haven't got oh, the transition yeah, year transition either. over yet. Me too either. Yeah. So, and there was a part where him and and the little girl, which that kind of bothered me as well. Yeah, that, that was that, that was the little girl was in her teens. Yes, not a little girl, little to us, but she was. Uh, their their association was questionably appropriate. Right. Um, there was a scene in a movie theater where they get up and they just start blowing people away. Yeah, yeah. And that was obviously shot before the the 
the massacre, you know, when right. Batman came right. out, the massacre. Right. And I was looking and it was released around probably a month or two after the massacre, the yeah. real massacre. Yeah. And I, I thought that was such in bad taste. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. It is. And, and when they actually filmed it relationship wise to that situation, I don't know. I don't know how close they came together, but it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it was, it was something that could have wound up on the cutting room floor. I think the whole thing. No, but, and that's what I mean, the whole thing, and nobody would be, uh, no one could feel slighted. <laughs> I know, I, I agree with you. It was, it was offensive and, um, ridiculously unnecessary. I think that was it. Yeah. There, I like. I look for a movie, and I'm sure you do too, or or a book, or a play, or whatever, to convey something, in you know, some to give me something to think about that I haven't ever, and right. this didn't. This just reaffirmed my uh, distaste for that, and I wouldn't even call that a genre. No, actually. At least I would hope it's not a genre, you know. Well, yeah, you could say, what do they call that? Um, snuff films. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it's real close to a snuff film in 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 terms of what you get out of it. Now, you know. and and let me just throw this out here to the listeners: is I'm not opposed to gratuitous violence. I mean, one oh, of yeah, my me one too. of my favorite movies. Is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I love Pulp yeah. Fiction. And it's full of it. Fast and Furious. You know, there's lots of <laughs> pounding going on. Inglorious Bastards, which I actually own that one. I don't, but, you know, there's there's lots of... Anyone can think of any movie that they've ever seen that has that in it and say, well, you know, it was it seemed right at the time. But this... <clears throat> didn't it didn't convey anything to me now and it didn't to you no and you and i are very alike in many ways but not necessarily a hundred percent right so you know it would be interesting to to hear uh if any of the uh movie crit critics have critiqued this production it would be interesting to see what they have to say about it maybe, maybe there's something we're missing Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's let's see where we're at. Did I segue a bit? <laughs> uh, you gave me an idea. Okay, okay um, we're gonna take a break right here. Okay. We're gonna run the commercial right at this point. Okay. And then when we come back, we're gonna have some info from okay. from the critics about oh, this movie. Oh, there you go. Okay, good idea. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be right back. Okay. And welcome back. Okay, kids, this is what we did. We went and jumped online, and we were looking for uh, reviews of. God bless America. And this one comes from um, Rotten Tomatoes. And the author is Shakya at Twitter. So it's at Shakya. Um, so interesting enough, the title of the movie, like I said, is called God Bless America. And I did not know this, but the director is Bobcat Goldthwait. Really? Yes. The old man, or not the old man, but the older man, uh, the psycho killer is Joel Murray, and the little girl is Tyra Lynn Barr. Now, huh. I I grew up on Police Academy. 
you know, Bob Bobcat Goldthwait. And that just that I don't know. That just kind of like that's surprising. Yes. It's, do you think he thought he was being funny? Maybe. Maybe that's what it was is, you know, him trying to be Yeah. Um maybe to, you know, to a bizarre extreme. Right. But I think he maybe he thought he was being um you know, uh, subtly funny. Well, in fact, this is what the the review says. The first line says extremely violent comedy is tough to pull off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I guess it was trying to be funny about yeah. it. Yeah. Though yeah. I saw nothing comical at it. I, I didn't. I, I know it's kind of like my dad and diarrhea. You know, Dad's always said, you know, I, I know diarrhea is real, but I don't want to see it in the movies. Exactly. Uh, same thing with murders and and bloodletting and uh, whatever. You don't necessarily need to see it to prove it some sort of point. I mean, this what's is what's funny about it. Yeah. You know, aside from it's okay, it's bloody and and inappropriate. What's funny about that? I, again, I I found nothing. I don't, I don't. And interesting enough, I was just kind of scanning scanning what this uh, review said, and I think it hits the head on, or yeah, it hits the nail on the head rather. Um, it says extremely violent comedy is tough to pull off. Let's say you've got a main character on a killing spree. How's an audience supposed to sympathize with that? A good reason to kill couldn't hurt. I just, you know, I, I don't know. Is there such a thing? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, yeah, if you're, you know, being Protect attacked. Your child, yeah. uh, or someone you love, um, which is still self-defense in a way. Somebody else's self-defense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Certainly not. You know, and, and, and when he does the, later on in the movie, when he does the thing where they wind up on the stage of, of the, it's like supposed to be the stage of American Idol, Mm -hmm. uh, when he does the, the killing in that. I mean, I suppose there have been times when some people watch shows like that and think they should all be shot or something of that nature. Maybe that was kind of where he was trying to go with it. Well, let me go into a little bit more because this actually troubles me, the next piece. It says, But generally, there are always a rift between the characters through the process and the audience's moral in, and in God Bless America is no different. However, the writer-director, Bobcat Goldthwait, so not only did he direct this piece of shit, he wrote it. He wrote it. Well, I assumed that. I don't know why, but I just assumed he did write it. However, where writer-director Bobcat Goldthwait succeeds is where the films like Super, which is actually one of the other, other films I was going to talk about tonight, and Hobo with a Shotgun, I didn't see that one, did not, making it the leads highly likable. The leads as in like lead character. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did not find him highly likable. I don't, I don't know. Is there, not to, not to, uh, belittle, uh, tomato, rotten people tomato or whatever. Is there a, um, more mainstream critic we could get an evaluation of the movie from? Um, well, let's just, let me give you what Rotten Tomatoes breakdown is. Technical, they gave it a B plus. 
Acting, they gave it an A. Story, they gave it a B plus. Overall, they gave it an A minus. Wow. That's all I say is wow. Um, well, IMV Hoo liked it too. They gave it a seven and a half or something out of ten. Yes, let's see. I mean, we're playing with. We must be missing the point. I know that I could call Ernie if you want and ask him if he remembers. I know he remember it. He will remember it. I don't know. Okay. If he remember liking it or not? Let's go to one of the legends. It just so happens I scrolled down here. One of the last films, Roger Ebert. There you go. Okay, let's uh, see what reviewed. he says about it. Let's see what he says about it. Um, he to explain his opinions too, so maybe we can, or intended to. Let's see what he had to say about it. Oh, and it was done the day after my birthday. This is sad. Okay, it says, The first half an hour or so, Bobcat Goathwaite, God Bless America, promises so much more than the film is finally able to deliver. Here is a film that begins with merciless comic savagery and descends into merely merciless savagery. But wow, what an opening. Um, It can... Let's see. I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to read. It consists of a man watching television and the television he's watching. The man is Frank, Joel Murray. Oh, Bill Murray's brother. I did not know that. Hmm. That's why I look familiar. <laughs> um, his head rests unle- uneasily on a sofa as the screams of a walling baby next door drills through the paper-thin walls. He suffers from migraines on TV he sees stupidity and cruelty. The news channels portray an American or America in decay. Such idiotic plagues as Westboro Baptist Church are seen picketing veteran funerals. TV rants are delivered by unhinging commentators. Reality television reduces civilization to the corruption of the worthless consumer trash. And Frank stares in pain at the screen. So he was he was uh, compelled by what he perceived on television, anyway, as a worthless right. civilization. Um, let's see. Let's see. In in that subplot, Galthwig exhibits some of the sharp and perceptive intelligence that often informs the film. I disagree, actually. Turns out the fat kid didn't want to kill himself because... Oh, there must have been a jump in the the reading. Um, yes, there was a heavyset kid who, um, in the movie, he, he went on what... It was a mockery of, of American Idol, and, and he tried to sing, and he couldn't sing. Mm. And... Um, in the later on in the news, it says that they tried. He tried to kill himself because everybody was mocking him. Yeah. But here, um, they're talking about when he gets on stage and he's talking to the the kid. He didn't want to kill himself because people were laughing at him. He wanted to kill himself because he might not be able to get on TV again. Um, let's see. It does, it does seem true that a lot of people will do anything, however humiliating for fame. Hmm. But 
by that point in the film, the air has gone out of Gulfwaite's balloon. Um, what he has created in the name of comic social commentary mm-hmm. is a an, is an immoral movie about two psychopathic killers killing people they believe deserve to die. As a general rule, that an evil reason for taking someone's life. If we agree that Frank and Roxy, we also agree with people who shoot um, abortion clinics, kids who open fire at their schools, and drivers in the road road rage killings. I see what Gulfweight was trying to do and agree with many of his uh, complaints about our society. But finally, it becomes important to laugh. So, in other words, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. yeah, that I think his he's more articulate in terms of evaluating. Like he said, he he sees where he was trying to go with it, uh-huh. and uh, and again, you got to remember, it's been at least a year since I've seen this movie. Um, not remembering that much about it, um, the the part that I remember most was the part where he uh, shoots up the the. TV studio, yeah, at the and end. the people in it, which is pretty much at the end. Uh, and then she comes in and joins him in the battle, and because they had split at one point, she right. went back home or whatever. Because she was supposed to, she told him that she was getting raped and she was being abused at home, and yeah. and to come to find out, she was just she comes from this high class, you know, family, yeah. wealthy, and 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 that kind of pissed him off. So she came back, and and together they, you know. Actually, committed suicide is what they did. Essentially, but um, I agree with I agree with um, Mr. Ebert's evaluation that you know, however, he may have been trying to make a comment about our society, you know, and and I think any any thinking person today can pick holes in in a lot of our society. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that he I agree with him when he says he misses he missed the mark in in terms of keeping it a comedic rather than uh I think he said obscene. Yes, obscene. Um evaluation or commentary. I wonder if it's because he didn't have the tools. Well, it could be that. It could be just as simple as him not being able to get out of his mind into words right what he's sensing and seeing and feeling um i don't know if he has other writing experience but um that's what a writer does you get something and i'm you know right no. preaching to the choir here but that you get something in your head and uh it it feels right or good or even bad but you want to put it on paper, and so you do that. Well, it seems like he had something in his head, but he couldn't get he couldn't express it in his writing to to uh, to mean what he I think he wanted it to mean. Am I making any sense? Oh, absolutely. You're you're nailing on the head. I I, I think it's it's maybe he's not, and I don't know who does his material. 
for, you know, because he used to do stand-up comedy. Right. Uh, I don't know who did his material. Maybe he did. And maybe that was part of the appeal of him was that he was sort of, uh, he's sort of a, like Stephen Wright, kind of. You know how Stephen Wright's comedy is? You right, know, right. Sort of almost talks, but not quite. <laughs> he almost gets the idea out, but not completely. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe that's what Goldthwait was trying to do and missed the mark. Maybe he can't get it out of his head. Maybe he sees it very clearly in his mind, you know, what he wanted to see in the movie. But maybe he can't get it out of his mind and onto paper. Because I, uh, I, I didn't, I couldn't see anything that he put out that I could agree with, that I could, I, that I could understand. I'm looking at this right here, at what he's written. Um, it says, Dr. Duck's super secret all-purpose sauce, which was a video. It was just a segment. An evening with Bobcat Golf, Golf Wade. Um, Share the Warmth. And that was a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Shakes the Clown, which I've never even heard. Happily Ever After, Unhappily Ever After, a TV series, one episode. Um, he wrote Leaving Van Eyes. Well, I don't, any of his work, any of his stand up work that he did, I think one of the things that made him popular was his delivery. Mm-hmm. Because he has a, a really offbeat, um, method of delivery of his lines and stuff, you know, the, that, that, that shaky, timidy, almost gets it out, spoken out word right, right. thing, you know, that he does. Again, kind of reminds me a little bit of Stephen Wright because Stephen Wright is, is very, um, soft spoken and, and, uh, I don't know because I'm not a, I'm not a comedian, so I can't, I don't know the proper terminology to describe his technique, right. but anybody that's seen Stephen Wright knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you haven't, you should, because <laughs> he is funny. He's hilarious. Uh, and so has Goldthwait been hilarious at times. But I think what is hilarious about him is his delivery, just like what the makes timing. Stephen... Yeah, and the same thing with Stephen Wright. His delivery is is what sets him apart. It's actually what sets any of the good, great stand-up comedians apart is their delivery right you know it's not so much what they say as the way they say it that's that and the fact that that somewhere along the line they hit something we can identify with right you know everybody can identify with uh marital problems let's say or problems in bed let's say or um you know a thousand different subjects that uh that's what the comedians do they pick you know or the politics political scene that sort of thing but what what makes them likable makes you come back for them is their delivery look at Penn and Teller for example right you know I mean their their classic example of, of delivery is everything you know one guy doesn't say anything and the other guy is extremely articulate right and doesn't really say anything funny he just says stuff you know has a running commentary, you know, and the guy that doesn't say anything, he's the one that's getting the laughs, that sort of thing. You know, it's all, it's all, um, it's all in delivery. Delivery, yes. 
Not so much with a movie. A movie's not, you know, you're telling, you're telling a story in a movie. You're, you're, you're conveying an idea. You're expressing what's in your head about a certain subject. And especially if you're writing it and directing it, you're doing that like the next step would have been acting in it too. Right. You know, he could have been. He could have been the killer. The yeah. guy that Murray was instead, <clears throat> you know, um, maybe he even saw himself as that. I don't know. But whatever it was he was trying to express, whatever he had in his head about this subject didn't come across. No. For me. Nor me. And, and like I said, it was just, uh, well, like I said in the very beginning, you know, once, once he pretty much blew up that baby, mm-hmm. you know, that I. Well, and, and I, not remembering what movie we were talking about, I thought you were saying literally that's what the movie was about, about this guy that blows up a baby, when in fact it was a fantasy. Right. Of his, where, you know, we, again, we've all had those fantasies where we thought like to take that person, <laughs> like take him out and, you know, shred him or, you know name it um that part in a sense is not a big deal to me it and i don't know how to i don't know how to say this so i can explain what i'm thinking uh if he really went out and blew out a baby blew away a baby Uh with a gun okay and the mommy and the daddy that would be excessive to me the fact that it was a fantasy not so much because you know going in that it's a fantasy. So it's like No, you don't know until afterwards. Oh, you don't know until afterwards that it's a fantasy? Yeah, when it cuts back to him laying still laying in bed. You're like, "Oh, okay." Oh, okay. Okay, cuz see like I said it's been over a year since I saw this movie. Right. And you know me, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, okay. So yeah, that would be startling unnecessarily um, obscene. And, you know, I have nothing against somebody trying to portray their artistic vision. I, I and I'm Or not, doing something drastic to get right, your attention. Right, I, I get that. I get that, too. Yeah. But it's just... I don't know. I And I, I do... When it comes to, like, you know... Me telling somebody your art is wrong. It, it, it's I know it's you. You can't go there. You can't do that. And it, the best you can say is it just didn't work for me. Yeah, because I'm sure there are probably thousands and thousands of people who say, "Oh, they are so crazy. I loved that movie. It was the best movie I ever saw." <laughs> and you know, good. More power to you. I it didn't work for me because it didn't work for me. And I think you can agree with me being a writer as well. Is rule number one, I mean, literally rule number one is create a character when you're working in fiction, mm-hmm. create a character that your audience can ad- identify with, whether it be right reading in a book mm-hmm. or well, reading yeah, in you, a comic if you want them or to care watching. About them, you, yeah, gotta have, you have to have there a character. There has to be something that they can go, yeah, I knew a guy like that or yeah, I'm like that or but for yeah, me, I want to be like that. There was no, there was nothing that I could identify with with this character. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest turnoff instantly is because, you know, you try to, as a a viewer in movies, you try to find something instantly to grab onto the main character. Yeah. And once you can't do that, it's just all downhill. You know, it's, it's funny because it kind of reminds me in a way, 
uh, of uh, Tom, that Tom Hanks movie. Um, fuck. Oh, I'm so bad. My memory. Something about Moon. God damn it. Something about Moon? Yeah, in the title. Something Moon. Mm. Uh, it's one of his earlier works when he was still a kid. Just Google Tom Hanks movies. Okay. Um, um, what is it about? Uh, he is told by his doctor that he's dying. And he's, uh, it's, it's a little artsy in its delivery. Um, he, he has a, a horrible job and, um, a horrible life. And the depiction of that is, is beautifully done. Um, and he decides to, uh, leave his job and go off on a cruise. Okay. On a boat. <laughs> and Meg Ryan, owns the boat. In fact, Meg Ryan plays several characters in this movie. She owns the boat. He's going to go... Oh, I know what it is. He has to go and say... Abe Vigoda's in this thing, too. Oh, really? Yeah. And he has to... Um, somebody contacts him and wants him to go to this island and jump into a volcano to appease the volcano. Oh, Joe versus the... Yeah, Joe versus the, the volcano. volcano. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I have nothing about the moon, except that was one of the scenes in it when he's sitting out on the on the on on his raft because the boat blows up. Yeah, that was 1990. Here it is right yeah. here. He sits out. He's out on a raft in the middle of the ocean and the moon. Yeah, see how the moon is? The moon is just freaking humongous. It's so big. And that's why it's stuck in my mind as part of the title, because it's just really there. Anyhow, uh, he thinks he's dying. Okay? So what he does is he agrees that he's going to go jump in the volcano to save these people, because they're running out of people to, to sacrifice to the volcano. And so they're soliciting people to, to, to jump into the volcano, and this guy asks him to do it because... Um, He's, I think that's pretty much how it goes. I haven't seen this movie for a while, but I'm pretty sure that's how he gets hooked into the whole thing. And he pays him, you know, I'll give you a bunch of money. You can, you know, you go out in style. Right. You, know? you don't have to do it for two more weeks. So you can buy, you spend the money however you want, buy yourself all kinds of clothes and cool stuff. And you can get this yacht. I think he owns the yacht that, or he's got, it's his daughter that owns the yacht or something like that. Anyhow, <laughs> it's a really a good movie, folks. I'm sorry. I'm, just shredding it here but um anyhow he he goes to that's what he does with a, a death verdict okay as a and it's and it's hilariously done from beginning to end when like i said he has a horrible life a horrible job and it, it's depicted perfectly in the movie i don't know who directed it who directed it you're looking at john me. patrick shanley okay good for him don't know him um, who wrote it? Same guy. Okay. Uh, and then here he takes this, this, not even a self-sacrificing attitude. It's just more like, uh, well, I got nothing else I can do. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I'll go jump in a volcano and do a good thing for somebody and I can have a nice trip and a vacation out of it besides, you know, well, of course he falls in love. Ryan and a whole bunch of other shit happens. But um, to compare the two, okay, here's Goldthwaite's, Goldthwaite's guy who uh, has a death verdict 
Right. Interestingly, in Joe versus the volcano, his his doctor tells him he has a brain cloud. Yeah, yeah. It it's all a setup, but you don't know that going into it. Spoiler. I was gonna say alert I have, is a little slow there. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, but I haven't anyhow, seen the movie. In, here's here's Goldthwaite's guy who's got a brain tumor. Right. Okay. He goes out and decides. I think I'll just kill a bunch of people. You know, because I can, because nobody can do anything to me, and because the world is is all fucked up, and maybe by killing people I can straighten them out. Is that what he's going for? I don't know. Uh, honestly, it was never. I don't know. Or you've got Tom Hanks' character, who uh, is Joe, who gets basically the same message. You know, you're dying of a brain cloud, you know, which was a setup. But anyhow, you get you're dying from a brain cloud, and so go jump in a volcano for these people and help them out. You know, right? Plus, they love orange soda. There's a whole thing about them, like, <laughs> well, and there and and Abe Vigoda, it lives on the island. You know, and it, they somehow there was this Jewish colony that lived there for a while or something i don't know i can't remember it's it's a really good movie it's worth it's yes, really it's worth watching any anything got that's got tom hanks in it and meg ryan in it i'm there right anyhow uh but it's it's really a cute story from beginning to end it's it it's worth any part of it that's slow it's worth sticking it out uh to 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 see the the thread sewn right through the story it's it's beautifully done i think then you know and but here's like i said there's basically the same two guys right you know one guy same and situation about the same age you know the guy in goldthwaite's movie is a little older but still you know uh same situation you're gonna die you got a brain you know irreversible brain thing going on here's one guy goes out to as a social commentary he decides to start killing people Another guy decides to go jump in a volcano to help, save people, help a bunch of people. So I don't know. You draw your own conclusions. Speaking of conclusions, uh oh, are we done? Yeah, we are. We're <laughs> we are finished. And okay. it's always fun because we sat down and just before I hit the record button, folks, I was like, uh, "What are we going to talk, talk about?" about? <laughs> I know we do that and, all the time. And the 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 neat thing is, is when you and I sit down, it doesn't matter. If, we always find something. If there's just something, you know, if we see a fly buzzing around the room, yep. that's all we need to do is just spark, yeah. a commu- you know, spark the conversation, and yeah. it's we're off and running. Yeah, that's pretty much the case. So, yeah. I I want to hear your thoughts. I want you to go listen or not listen, but go watch Joel versus, versus the volcano, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a good idea. And yeah. then go watch, watch God bless, God bless America. America. See what kind of hit you get off of both of them. And See if then, we're totally fucked. Like it sounds like we might be. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I again, I just, I have a hard time saying you, your art's not right, but it's just wrong. I mean, it really, it just feels wrong. Well, unnecessary, I think, might yes. be a good word. It, yeah. Okay. It, it's unnecessary. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't, as as Ebert said, it does not accomplish what it appears he was out to accomplish. Right. At least for you and for me, it didn't. And I'm pretty sure, as I recall, it didn't do much for Ernie either. All right, kids. So drop us an email, what we think at jaysomon.com. Or, well, if you, if we're at yeah, episode 33, if you don't know how to fucking contact us by now, there's something wrong. <laughs> but they might be new listeners. They might be new listeners that had no idea how to contact us. Well, start back. 
from previous episodes. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> just go to the, the website, jasonmon.com. Click on what we click think. Click on what we think. Click on comments. The comment button and, and it'll take you right there to the email. That's the fastest, easiest way to do it. Because even at this, I just want to know, am I, is something wrong with me? Am, if, have I lost, you know, <laughs> touch with the culture? Because I just, again, I didn't like the movie. Yeah. So let us yeah. know. And besides that, we'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. And we'll read your emails on, on air if you don't. Object. If you do say so, we won't. All right, kids. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. And I am S.C. Burbank. And wow, you most <laughs> definitely heard what we think this week. And now you know. That's right. See you next week. Good night. Okay. That, well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I seen that movie once, Zoe, and it was just enough where I, you know, I don't get offended very much, but that movie really offended my senses in every sense of the term. All right, kids, thank you so much for coming in and joining episode 55 of Flashback Fridays. Uh, for this week, I am David K. Montoya. Zoe Montoya. And we'll see you next week right here on Flashback Fridays. Uh, you got it. Flashback Fridays. See you next week. <laughs>